It's the Fat AZ Muskie Podcast. We're coming to you from the pole barn. We got Vance in the front of the Ranger. He's waving. I'm giving, I need to let everyone know that. Uh, we have Todd Young on speakerphone, and we have Gearman Steve back for round three. Um, brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products, fatazmuskie.com, Fat AZ Muskie on Facebook. Like us. Um, you can also find us next weekend at the Ohio Muskie Show. We're going to have a booth supposedly right next to Muskie Hunter as soon as you walk in. Big old Jim Sarek will be off to our left. And um, you can look over and see my smiling face. And Todd's. Are you going to get an autograph? I might. Do you want me to get you one? No. I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one for you. Please. And uh, save it. We're going to have Dale Wiley in our in our booth, we had double booth, so we're sharing it with him. You can get me his autograph. You want Dale's autograph? Yeah. What bait do you want? I could probably snag a deal before our show starts. Mm, uh, have Todd pick the color and then just have him sign it. He doesn't have faith in me. Todd pick the color. It's got to be a fat body. I just don't know what colors you have. I'm trying to remember what you ordered. I'll use them all. They get, they get chewed up. Mud puppy. I have two of those. Brown perch, that one got hit pretty good last year. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. and uh, become friends with Todd Young on Facebook. Um, obviously, find him on Facebook and then friend him, friend request. And um, what else? Oh, mcfishingguides.com. Find Todd there. Book a trip if you're going to be out in the east. Put you on some fish. And um, Gear Man, you got any uh, shout outs? I guess I got a shout out to my uh, rod maker who's made half my gear, uh, SH Fishing Sticks. Uh, you know, great custom rods to work with you on anything. Perfect. Nice. Well, nice. Th- this this podcast is kind of special because we are. It's not really musky fishing, but it piqued my interest a little bit. Last Sunday, was it Sunday or Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. Last Saturday, so six days ago. We, we had a, well, the week prior to that was really cold. It got cold here. I was, we were down in single digits where I was at and kind of thinking, okay, winter's here. And uh, we're just settling in. I had to snow blow for the second time. And uh, then the weekend started to warm up. It warmed up, what was it, in the upper 40s? Yeah. Yeah, it was like the upper 40s on Saturday. Friday, they had like a threat of rain and... So it just happened to work out to where all of us could go fishing, and originally it was just Vance and Todd. They wanted to go steelhead fishing, and uh, I just invited myself and wedged myself in there, and uh, because you were I, asked to go, no, I was, I was, I forced myself into this equation, and um, but I, I got the okay from the wife, so we. Uh, we met at Vance's house. Vance, you've never been steelhead fishing. Mm-mm. Now you and you've been here since like April, May, up in this area. Yeah, yeah. So he hasn't really been here for the steelhead runs. They would have been kind of ending with, by the time you moved up here. And I've lived here my whole life, and I've never gone. I've never caught a steelhead. Uh, we we did have uh, it's a long long dumb story. I'm not going to get it. When I was trolling for walleye, we thought we had a steelhead, but someone said it was a brown trout, and other people said it was a steelhead. I can't tell. I don't care. Well, one's brown and one's kind of silvery. Well, they, 
<laughs> what I was told was that the the lake, you know, the, the, the ones in the lake that run the streams in the fall are chrome as well. Steve, is that true? I don't know. That's what I was told. Yeah, the real uh, brown trout in the lake are very light in color, but they have spots that are more like uh, larger circles and a little uh, less dense. The steelhead will have the fine splatter spots like a rainbow trout, and they both kind of take on that uh, uh, chromish kind of light color. So you can always tell about the, whether it has the bigger sparse spots or more of the rainbow trout looking pattern. Okay. Yeah, the fish you caught definitely was not a steelhead. I remember seeing a picture of that in. Okay, so I'm. Uh, I'm gonna it, go- it was. It might have been a young. Could have been a young salmon, or you know something, something else. It definitely was not a steelhead. Yeah, but it, uh, it did not look like a brown trout either. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was. Uh, it was weird because we were. You know, I don't generally troll with downriggers out on Lake Erie. I'm just going to tell this boring story anyway. I had. A, I had a friend of my dad and his little boy. In, in the boat with us and we had the downriggers and we saw one of the downrigger rods, you know, they pop up mm. and as soon as it popped up, my, my buddy Andy, he said, rigger, rigger, we got one on the rigger and I turn around, by the time I turn around, I see this fish jumping and Andy goes, steelhead, screaming and he's reeling all the lines and I'm like, what's going on? I'm, I'm running the boat here and I'm like, why are you doing that? And this thing's going everywhere. Maybe it was a, a king. Who knows? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm stupid when it comes to ducks and trout. Yeah. I, <laughs> ducks and trout. Ducks and trout. And uh, anyways, so we, we you know, he, the, the kid takes the rod out of the, out of the, the holder there. He reels it in. It, we, we, we sat there and Andy's like, that's a brown. And I'm like, I don't even ask me. I don't know. Well, anyways, <laughs> they took it in to get a citation because it was big enough for a Pennsylvania citation fish. And uh, they said that it was a steelhead at the at the bait shop. He didn't get a citation because it wasn't big enough. Mm. So, anyways, that was the story of that. That's the only run-in I've had with any kind of lake, uh, a trout that lives in a lake of any sorts. What do you get? For, I've never. It's an angler award. That's all. It's an angler award to get a. Yeah, there's like citation fish, and yeah, you know, you can. Have you ever done it? Nah, I've never done it. Anybody, Todd? I'm sure you've turned in. <laughs> Big musky early on or something? No, I never. I mean, I got I got a couple when I was a little when I was a kid with those uh, like a coho salmon when they were in the area of steelheads, and I was going up with my grandpa. We would stop at the bait shop, and I got a couple of those. But yeah, we're like in the seventies or something old. I I did get one. I take that back. Nineteen ninety. I remember this. I was. My, my dad's friend took me and my father out. We launched at a walnut. We were walleye fishing. And the first rod that went off, they said I could reel it in. And I remember it was a spinning rod. And when you're five, I was, I might have been six at that time. Um, I had to reel this fish in and they didn't pull the spread left-handed. When you're five, you're weak. It took me what seemed like forever. Yeah. But I got the fish in, yeah. and uh, it was the biggest fish of the day. It was like a six-pound walleye. And I remember going into the little house there at Walnut, and they weighed it. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So they were just getting me a citation. I got, I got a little citation, piece of paper, anchor yeah. award. And I remember I'm, I'm sitting there at my dad's friend's house. His name was Carl. He's now, he's now passed. And I, I, rem- I, was in, 
I was in sweatpants and a Ninja Turtle shirt. Oh, nice. And I had I was holding it by the gill, but I was like that guy that holds the fish wrong. Yeah. The gill was flared out on the wrong side, and I had this awful photo. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was... It, was it probably one, looked as big as you, though. Oh, it was huge. You know. My, my dad got really close and down low. Yeah. He said, stick it out further, but mm. I couldn't... I had to, like, have my other arm under the other arm to support it, because six pounds is a lot when you're that young. Yeah. Heck yeah. But, no. Your it, wrists are still developing. That's right. I was spindly. Yeah. But, nice. anyway, that was uh, that was my citation story. I've never got one cited. You know, a lot of people have asked me about citing a fish. Uh, I don't even know how to do it. I don't even know what the requirements are don't, for a musket. Don't you have to keep it? You but might. You probably they have now, uh, and I, I got one for my seven-pound smallmouth. Where they have a catch and release fisherman's award. Mm-hmm. Where you fill out the documentation, what you caught on where, a witness, you send it in with the measurements and a picture, and then they'll send you the same probably goofy certificate they've been putting out for you know forty years with a patch with a brown trout on it and says congratulations yeah. to your fish. And then if you make like the top five in each category, which I think mine was like number four that year, you list it on the PA webpage. You know all the ones that were certified. Hmm. They do have a like a keepers uh, award and like kind of like a catch and release thing. Nice. The, the, they still do it, but it's not you know like when you guys talk. When I was a kid, you'd go trout fishing, and all they talked about was like a citation trout or anything. Everything was citation back then. Yeah. And nowadays it's kind of I don't know. I, I don't hear many people talking about. It. They still it's like the angler uh, award program or something now, where they give you the same certificate, but it doesn't seem to be as popular as it once was. Yeah, it'd be an older thing. Yeah, they print it in a book and everything. I, I I could find them there somewhere down there where you know you got your name was in a book where you were, where your fish ranked. And it looks cool in the, in the uh, game room. Yeah, yeah. Next to all of Todd's trophies and giant fish mounts and yeah, big bucks his and field and stream basement. His feelings are <laughs> <laughs> not quite. It's it's the Smithsonian for musky baits. It's incredible. But yeah, cool. So, anyways, getting back to to our our, our story here. Um, so we all meet up at Vance's house. We we come up with a game plan. I uh, respooled my my spinning rod sense. If anyone remembers prior podcasts about the debacle of the spinning rod, and. Um, so we, we head down, we we wanted to see what the bay was, the bay was frozen, we went down to Elk, mm-hmm. which, I, I need to kind of paint this picture, the, the whole river's frozen where you park, there's a little baby boat launch there, everything's locked up solid, and with, with the added rain that we had the prior night, the water was kind of starting to rise, you could kind of see the ice doing some stuff, like water was starting to get on top of it, and mm-hmm. you know, things were... Things were going to happen. So anyways, we hike through the woods, and we follow Scout Leader Todd. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I didn't know where to go. I've never been to the mouth of a creek on, 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 feet, on my feet before, and obviously you haven't either for having just moved up. And the way Elk Creek enters Lake Erie, it kind of comes in on this weird like parallel angle almost, mm-hmm. and just it, it, it's, it's not like it just tees into the lake. It kind of wants to run along with the shore, and then it just kind of does this little side dump off. Mm-hmm. And this sandbar can change, and it, it's it's not... I wouldn't call it a sandbar. I'd call it a mix of 
gravelly grit with zebra muscle carcasses. Yeah, and like 40-ounce beers and... 40-ounce beers and lighters and pens yes. and... Tires. Tires. A lot of, a lot of driftwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much driftwood. It's insane. So we get there and, and like it's... Elk is frozen all the way till like the last, what do you say, 10 yards before it really starts getting fast in the Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know what to do. So I'm like just watching what Todd's doing. We're the only ones there. That's us three. Mm-hmm. So we got, we got Todd, the teacher, and me and Vance, the students. And I'm just, okay, I'll do this. My job was to carry the minnows. Mm-hmm. And Vance, your job was to carry my own gear. Okay, carry your own gear. And yeah. Todd was meant to, was there to teach us the ways of steelhead. Yes. And, uh, and unfortunately, I already knew we were in for the long haul here. Uh, steelhead fishing is all, I mean, at least for me, all conditions. I had a couple places we wanted to fish, and when they're all locked up, it's like, you got to go with what you got. And, uh, we didn't have much to work with, but I was optimistic looking out over the, looking down towards the mouth. Like, I think we could maybe pull something off down there. I just wanted but, one fish. Yeah. That was my goal, was to catch something that was supposedly a much harder fighter than a muskie, referencing back to podcast number two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get down there, and I just kind of follow Todd's lead. We had to... And, and and the way Elk Creek was flowing into Erie at this time, it wide off. The one Y went to like a pool that had like this just little baby like waterfall looking rapid going in into Lake Erie, more of a perpendicular. The other one kind of did like a horseshoe around and it had its little rapid going in. But we had to cross that little horseshoe one and uh, to, to, to fish some other, other grounds essentially on this island of sand and zebra mussels and 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 our our target was the basically the mouth of yep elk creek into lake erie because the rest was all totally frozen yeah Yeah. and we tried breaking some ice and and whatnot it it needed a it needed some tlc before it was fishable yeah so i'm following what todd's doing and I don't want Todd to get too far in front of me because I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong. I have to keep my eyes kind of like looking at him. And so I'm, I'm, Todd has this noodle rod, which he can cast almost as far as a musky bait on his 8.6 big dog. Yeah. And I have my stupid little spinning rod <laughs> that I could barely launch out there. I, I, I felt handicapped, but I, I found a way. I found that if I could throw... My little bobber or float, depending on what you call it, into the fast current and keep the bail open and keep hand feeding oh, the line gosh, out. Yeah. <laughs> that I could, I could hit that, my float. You could reach that, that distance. <laughs> Maybe two thirds of Todd's cast. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm doing that, you know, and of course, you know, nothing. I'm not getting nothing. Yeah. But after we crossed that little arm there to, to get on that island, there was like another little offshoot of the, the creek that kind of had a little baby waterfall area going into the lake. So there's actually like three areas. 
Well, it got really close to the edge. And when I first got there, I looked around, make sure you guys weren't watching me. Yeah. Because my initial thing was, well, take my heel. I'm going to make the river change. Oh, yeah. So I took my heel like when you're 10 years old and you're playing in a creek. And I drug my heel to where water started going. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's enough. I'll come back to you later. And I'm fishing. And I see Todd working his way down. Todd ended up at like where the water was flowing most perpendicular, like that branch of, of elk hitting. The, there had to have been, it looked like... It looked like the motor wake from a giant I.O. Just putting up that hump of water. Yeah. Todd, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was like a three-footer. Yeah, it was a... Just rising up. Giant hydraulic. <laughs> it, yeah. it was huge. Yeah. And where you put your little foot across, I had to wade through there to get back. Yes, I, <laughs> so I turned around. Flowing, that's why I said, we got to get out of here. There's... There's a lot more water coming. I had my, I had a net stuck in the ground. I kept looking to see the water level on it. And I was like, yeah, we could get back through there. You almost because stranded. We could be stuck out of this. You almost got <laughs> stranded thanks to Andy. Well, yeah. Yeah, see, well, where I drug my foot, you know, I, I looked back. And what was essentially amounted to maybe like the amount of water when it started was if you took a water, water bottle. Yeah. And you started dumping it out. That was the stream. I look back, and it's probably flowing five to ten percent of the total volume of elk. Yeah. I have this raging river that I started behind yeah. me. I'm too busy looking at Todd, having no idea that well, we could get stranded here because this water is rising so quick from the snow melt, the heat, and yeah. the rain. Yeah. And uh, we're like, we better get out of here. And I look at the because we were fishing the lake, and it was crystal clear, beautiful. But the stream it was, was a beautiful getting... day. I mean, it was warm. The wind was blowing right. I mean, it was a fun day to fish out in the lake. I've had some great days fishing there. But you've got to know where those things are staged and land. And now we have... We used to only have two outflows. Now we have three. <laughs> and, it, and you created one. And I'm just randomly fishing these things, trying to figure something out. And, yeah. I was making habitat. I wanted them to come near yeah. me. Todd, it's like Todd took uh, two kids out fishing. Well, hold on, but Vance hasn't told us what he was doing when he was he he went back to base camp where we dropped all our gear. Yeah, back there, I, I. Uh, were you fishing the whole time, hard I, I, diligently, or were you uh, sifting through the rubble? Well, I've never done. I I've never, yeah, I've never done this before, so <laughs> I was more interested. I, I was like, man, this sucks. Like, this is just. Screw this! I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, so I, I like channel my thirty minutes into this first inner, trip. <laughs> yeah, I channel my inner ten year old, and and I, I would rather like throw, uh, you know, big boulders on the on the ice, see if it can crack it, <laughs> see how far I can get a stone to skip, all that stuff. And I look back and I'm like, shit, these guys are gonna think I'm a joke. <laughs> so I, uh, I start to tie up. You know what they're fishing with, and it was a uh, it was a float and a jig, and uh, I'm standing I'm, I'm standing there looking at you know my my line and my pole, and I tie this stuff up, and I kind of had the, the the general gist of how it worked, but I end up tying it completely the opposite way. So my jig my, my your bobber was below the jig. My no well my. <laughs> The way the float works is... is you, like, your float was upside down. My float was upside down. So 
it eventually caught up to the swivel that would have to, would have to, to stop that thing. Yep. But so, and, and it did that with, with the current and whatnot, but I was, ca- I was casting maybe like five feet, letting mine out. Well, you're still then, doubling my distance. And then, and then, and then flipping the bail and it would, it would eventually all catch up and, and whatnot. But naturally when I'm doing that, we're on that sand and rock mix mm-hmm. and I let my, uh, I set my rod down to start tying. Then I look back at my, my bail and, and, and my reel and everything. And it is just covered in little like seashells and that, that sand and all that. So, and it's all in the line and everything. I'm like, Jesus, I can't, I'm like, this is, this is too much. I, <laughs> this I screwed is too up. Hard. So then I dunk my reel <laughs> and the water's freezing. So that, it, you know, I, I was just like, what the hell did I do that for? <laughs> That is not what I wanted to do, and and so it it and then everything kind of started locking up on me. But I eventually got it out and uh, and whatnot, and and uh, by the time I got all that done, Andy and Todd were on their way back, crossing three streams to uh, yeah to reach me. So I, I was I, like, yeah, guys, I've been you know hitting it hard over here the yeah. whole time. You know, fishing real tough, man. These fish are tough to get. Yeah. So I was sitting there. Playing with rivers and trying to dam them up and undam them. Todd's the only one that was <laughs> trying. That's why he said taking two kids out. Yeah. So, the, anyways, we pack up. We went to another spot. We looked there. We didn't even fish there. And uh, if anyone listened to last week's podcast, we had Mike Kickle on. After Kickle, after we got done with that, Kickle gave us some spots to go that he said were good. So... I didn't know exactly the road to take, but I had an idea where we needed to go. So I call Kickle, doesn't answer. I text him. I said, call me as soon as you can. This was my day to fish. Doesn't doesn't get back with me. I call him again. I call him again. I call him again. I blow up his phone. He doesn't answer. I'm like, well, it's got to be down here. So we go down to this road that I think where we should be going to get to this other creek that no one fishes. And uh, we go down there, and we're like, oh, I know exactly where we're at. It's not where we want to be. I said, we got to turn around, and we got to look on what would be the right-hand side. And we got to find this this other creek mouth. And we get there, and I'm like, there's this power line kind of like cutting, and you can see another road over there. I said, let's pull over here. So we pull over there, and we're like, let's just not take the rods. Let's let's just walk over and see where that's at. And we have no idea where we're going. We're 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 fishing for a yeah. spot, basically. Yeah, and we're going off a hunch. Yeah. Anyways, and, and we were in like uh, we were in a coke plant. Yeah, I mean it's like incinerators and this was like smoke smokestacks and yeah. Uh, this is the part rain, of Erie. Rain's going by. I mean, it's it's, it's not not real pristine. This is the part of Erie that Erie doesn't want to put on brochures. Erie is kind yeah. of driving out the industry <laughs> and they want to replace it with tourism. But where we were at, we were we were by the sewage treatment plant. Yeah. We were that's right next to Erie Coke, Erie which Coke, yeah. which they turn coal, they process coal into Coke. I don't know what the difference is. I, I don't I didn't look up on that. I'm sure someone knows. But anyways, there's coal trains and stuff going in and out. Mm-hmm. And then Erie Sand and Gravel, which unloads freighters of 
sand and gravel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's there's ships sitting there that they're like the size of my whole yard that's like five acres. Yeah, and right next to it's Don the John's the ship ship building where they, they'll get <laughs> giant freighters in and they'll work. This is this is not like I said, doesn't make the postcard. And uh but there's a little creek there that people don't fish, supposedly. I don't get up to Erie that much to fish. And uh, so we're looking for it. We found this little power line cutaway. We get out. I'm like, do you see any posted signs? And there's like three of them looking at us. I'm like, well, let's just let's hurry up. We don't get 20 yards. And this might be, what do you think, 100 yards between these two roads where yeah. we parked. We don't get 20, yeah. 25 yards. And we are a horn honk. Yeah. And we do a quick look over our shoulder. And there's two white trucks parked behind Vance's truck. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we'll just keep walking. We keep walking. We go and like, okay, here's the road. How did how did we miss this turnoff? But anyway, so we looked. But before we get to the road, I said, hey, Vance, you want to see a dead beaver? Yeah. And I pointed, and there's like a power pole with some red brush, and there's a dead beaver carcass. Skinned it's skinned. Out. It's skinned out. Skinned and decapitated. And I think there was like a coyote carcass or something. We're seeing all these post these po- these posted trees, you know, private, no trespassing, all that stuff. We get honked at. We walk a little further. We find dead. dead we see we a dead carcass. carcass. We see another road in this unfishable looking stream. It just was just like, <laughs> yeah, oh my! Like, God. I do not want to fish here. Yeah, we're like, screw this. We turn around and the- we're we're at the. At you know, we cross all the tracks and everything, and and we're looking at these two white trucks still sitting there, and like, I'm like waiting. I'm for like, us. oh my! Like, I'm like, these guys want to beat our ass. Like, these guys are gonna want to fight <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. These well, guys, you know, I, they're waiting for us. They're they're waiting. Anyway, so they're waiting. And I, I try to talk everything. I'm like, guys, let's just go yeah. get in the truck and leave. Uh, yeah. Don't like say it, anything about the dead carcasses. Yeah. Don't say anything about we're lost. We're not from here. We're leaving. Don't get mad at us. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking this is this is great. This is great fish, and I love it. I think about <laughs> the fish you know, are just 20, jumping 20, in twenty paces into our initial, uh, you know, over at Elk, Elk Creek. I'm like, I miss my boat. I miss my boat. Twenty you know, steps into this it, this is insane. We're slipping all over the place. It's all iced over. Andy's packing heat. <laughs> I brought my pistol. So he's got a pistol on him. You know, we, we got ten ten yards to fish up here, and <laughs> and now and now we're in this dilemma. These guys want to, you know, we're trespassing, and there's dead carcasses everywhere. Yeah. So. We, we, we get closer, and I, I kind of take, I try to take like a half a step lead because I wanted to talk to this guy <laughs> and just have you get in the driver's seat. So if I have to jump in the bed, we can get going and I can and start I can, fire. I can return <laughs> fire. Oh my God. That's great. But I'm not a confrontational person. I'm just like, look, dude, don't talk to me. I'm leaving. Well, I don't want to get a ticket. I don't want to get arrested. Well, see, yeah. the, the, the white, the way the white truck looked, I'm like, is this Border Patrol or something? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it was by... Yeah, he had, he had stickers on the side. And it's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh, that's like something from the state or something. It's a state vehicle. Ugh. Yeah. So, I, I, I kind of approached it. Well, the guy says something to the effect of, what are you, Rat Pack doing? Yeah. Something. He called us a Rat Pack. And I said, Rat Pack? He yeah. goes, oh, there's three of you. I'm, I'm Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So anyways, I, I go up and I, I just start, I, I've been in those situations before with street bikes. I've been in those situations, um, fishing, bank yanking, other places. And the best thing is just to come out and own the fact that you're stupid and you're lost. Yeah. And uh, I also had a little bit of confidence in a 38 special next oh on my, my hip. <laughs> so Unbelievable. <laughs> that That's a booster in confidence. Anyway, yeah. so... I go up and I'm, I'm like, oh, this guy's kind of scruffy. He might be able to relate. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, listen. I said, we got terrible directions. I said, this is the first time I've been up here ever doing this. I was looking for the mouth of Mill Creek. And he goes, you're right. You got wrong directions. It's yeah. on the other road. I said, yeah. well, we figured that one out after we walked across here. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, there's a dead beaver on the other side there. And the guy's <laughs> like, yeah, I put it there so I could shoot coyotes. Oh, my God. <laughs> right in the middle of Erie. Yeah. This guy's shooting at coyotes. I mean, there's I just, two, yeah. two I roads. I still can't believe that he would see a coyote down there. Yeah. But. So he, he had the other truck kind of like drove off before we started talking, and I was just talking with him and stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, we just hit a 160-inch buck last night here. We're like, What? He's like, I've been watching it for four years and, you know, this and that. And I finally got a group of guys. This was second archery season. The last day would have been the Saturday yeah. that we were fishing. He says, we put on a drive and this one kid shot it and they can't find it and blah, blah, blah. And 160-inch buck in this little area. It, it couldn't have been more than... If, if you accumulate all of the fence, the, the chain link fence, no trespassing... I don't think there could have been more than five to ten acres of, of, of area for this thing to live. Yeah. Without finding pavement for three miles, three, yeah. four miles just to get out of the city. But, I mean, that thing would have had to swim across the... It would have had to swim, swim across the bay and we're back over to Prescott. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, even there, it only have 100, 200 acres maybe. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, they were looking for this buck, so... And uh, he's like, what are you fishing for? And I'm like, well, we're looking for a bite right now. And this guy ended up being really cool. I mean, his uh, his lingo was a little bit racist. Yeah. But he, he ended up telling us where to go fishing. And he, here, follow me. I'm going to go pick up this one guy so we can go put on this other drive to find this deer. And he took us to the spot. And there were fish there. Yeah, he takes us to the spot. And we were, we were fishing out of... Uh... A put in, yeah. We were we were fishing it, and there was you know the the fish the fish were there. They were they were rolling and you know surfacing about another twenty yards past our cast limit, past Todd's cast limit. Yeah, and that was essentially it would be, gosh, Todd's cast limit plus twenty, and then to get mine you're going to have to subtract all of that but three yards. Yeah, because I can cast about <laughs> nine feet. <laughs> You had like a bobber right next to where your foot was. Oh, yeah. If I would have slipped, I would have kicked my bobber. <laughs> you would have caught yourself. We get a real again. I thought you were going to get a rock bass. I, I, yeah. I would have taken a rock bass because I would have been on the board. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So we, we fished it out, ended up taking home the skunk. Yeah, we got, we got skunked. All about. That's steelhead fishing. I mean, there's. I mean, when I go musky fishing, I always feel like I can pull something out. You can go do something. You can change. 
you know, for me, my steelhead fishing is it's, it's just so much. It's so much about conditions. When you hit at the right conditions, you will catch them. If you don't have the right conditions, you don't catch them. <laughs> and uh, you know, the two spots we really wanted to hit were just froze over. Nothing we could do. So, well, listen to this. So I'm out shopping today, getting some errands done and whatnot. Um, and I come out of this this little plaza at the Did store. Did you see I was the racist in. bait shop? Owner? Yes. This guy Seriously? is walking into where I was. This guy that we that we ran into showed us his spot, who called us to Rat Pack. He's walking into the store and he's he's staring at me like I recognize this guy, and I'm staring at him like holy shit, this is hysterical. I'm like I, I get this big smile on my face. I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, I was like, did, did you did you find that buck? Did you ask him? Yeah. Awesome. He never found the buck. They never found the 160. No, they never found the, this, you know, which I still I still think it's a myth. But, you know, the, this 160-inch buck. So he says no. And uh, Did he recognize you at that point? He Yeah, he recognized me. And he was uh, with his family. Okay. And there, there, there was two other people with him. I think it was a wife and kid. And um, he... Uh, he says, "He says you got you. You guys are, are musky guys. So I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if we told him we, we musky fish a lot or, or, or something. I might have. I might have brought that up. Yeah, just because Todd was wearing a, a his his guide shirt with with Muddy Creek on it with the musky and the in the emblem. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, we 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 musky fish. And he's like, well, I'm the musky king." The musky king. He says this to me, and my smile even gets even bigger at this point. I'm like, the musky king. I say this out loud, though. I'm like, you're the musky king. Did you He's kneel like, down? Well, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I think I was like, the musky king, and I'm shaking my head in disbelief. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, yeah. He told me last year, he, got, he was like, I caught five in two days. And I, that's, that's a, it's a great number, but... When you say you're the musky king and then you say that stuff, I mean, it just, it, it's goofy. And he's like, he's like yelling it and it, it, he's getting all excited and, and amped up about this, this fishing trip. I'm like, really? Five and two days? That's great, man. Where at? I don't you know. You just. Did, did he give just, you a spot? He says, I can't tell you. Do you know why? No. Did, I, I think, <laughs> I think I might've said this, but I have this spot that I, I said this on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. Look back in the last 50 hours of times that I've been talking. We call it Joe's Hole. I found it on Google Earth. Oh, God. It's upstream from him. Listen. He, okay, anyway, He's telling me... So, he's he's saying this. He's getting all into it. You know, I'm the musky king. I caught five in, five in two days. Puffing his chest out. I'm, I'm giggling and smiling. His wife's, like, pulling him into the store. Okay. And, you know, he's, like, he's, he's like chanting it as he's being pulled in. Into the store. Did, like, was he saying just, like five and 48? Five and 48. He was saying like five and two days. I'm the musky king as he's like being pulled into this, this shop by his family as the door is closing. And I'm standing there just like. Tell, tell me when the door was closing and his arm between the door with five no, fingers up. He, no, he wasn't, <laughs> but he's being pulled in. I mean, it was just an unbelievable scene to run into this guy again. And he. I can't believe it. He yeah. says that that he he's the musky king and 
I think I think it was out of uh, the creek. I know exactly where it was at. I think it was out of the creek. I will tell you when the podcast is done exactly where it was at. But it, yeah, I mean, he said, "Come, come by the bait shop." You I know, lost the fish where he's fishing. I got I got the pictures to prove it. And I was like, "That's, that's yeah. that that is amazing." I I, I, it, I it, it I takes it. it it takes a lot of willpower, at least for me. I mean, Todd's probably used to it. To say five in two days, I had that in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know. Because he's the musky king. But that that's why it was funny. Okay. The, the, to, to say that to somebody. You know, five in two days, great number. Killed for that. You know, why well, wouldn't I, I kill for that? I will say this. But, Where but he you, was fishing. But when you say that in, in, in the situation, I'm just running into this guy. He says that. His family's pulling him in. He's all hot and bothered over it, and <laughs> you know, it's just—I I, was—I mean, it, it made my day. It was—it was the best thing that happened to me all week. That was just fantastic <laughs> to see. You know, I—I I love that shit. I—I—I I, I love I, I love the passion and the insanity that comes in the fishing world of just being the man and saying that stuff. It just. You know, he's living up to the name and, you know, screaming it and yeah, make, yeah. trying to make me a believer. And his family's like, Jesus, not again. Like, this is... Like like, <laughs> like he didn't make it across the parking lot without having to tell another person. He probably went into the store and told the clerk that and all yeah. that, you know, just screaming it. Well, I love it. I told Todd this story. Steve, are you still there? I'm still here. I'm okay. enjoying this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. This was a crazy thing. I, I had to. I had to go. Go. Uh, I had to drive south. I'm not going to give give the the city's name. And uh, I, I had an appointment to go to, but I had to make a couple stops before I went to my appointment. One of them was the social security office. I needed to get a change of address form for my grandmother. Okay. And I don't know. This is a little podunk town, but they, you know. So I I, I go in, and there's this security guard. I don't know. If he's anything above a security guard, he he could, he could be state police. I don't know, but this guy met me there. He's behind this little desk with a computer, and he says, "Sir, do you have any guns, knives, any weapons of any sort on you?" And I said, "I have I have a I have a little multi tool," and I, I I reached in my pocket. And he's like, "Don't don't pull it out! Don't pull it out! Get get back up!" Holy and I'm like, shit. Oh, "Holy crap!" Okay, I said, "I'm gonna go put it in my truck and I'll be back." He goes, "Please do that." So I walk across the parking lot, and this is a little Leatherman Micro that has a blade on it that might be an inch and a half, mm -hmm. but it's a pair of pliers, you know, it's yeah. a file and a Phillips head. And Anyways, so I come back in, and he goes, is it in your truck? I said, yes. He didn't even want to see that I, I could have just walked outside out of view, turn around and come right back in. Yeah. So then I, I, he, he gives me instructions to go sign in, you'll get a number, blah, blah, blah. But there was, there was one person in front of me who goes, have a seat there. So I sat down, and I had my fishing license. I, I, I have a carabiner with a little thing and my fishing license on that. And um, I think in PA, you still have to display your fishing license. You do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it has to be on an out, outer garment. So I figured my pants loop is, is good enough. So anyways, when I was sitting down, my fishing license was on the top of my thigh. And he looked over at me and goes, sir, is that a fishing license? I said, yeah, it's a fishing license. Is that considered a weapon? He says, where are you fishing? 
And I said, well, I'm hoping when I leave here, I'm going to go hit a couple spots that I know. He goes, what are you, what are you fishing for? I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of a musky guy myself. He goes, musky? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah. He goes, what do you catch them on, live bait? I said, nah, I, I, artificial baits. I said, I, I, like, I like the, I don't fish a lot of live bait. He goes, like, like what, what do you have? What, what do you use? I said, I, they're baits that I make. He goes, what's that one guy's name? His name, uh, in Edinburgh at, at the sports shop there. I said, Bushak? Yeah, him. Do you, do you know him? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, he was telling me, you know, about this one guy in Edinburgh that makes baits and... <laughs> Is that you? I said, probably. And I pull out my phone. I pull up a picture of Bushak with that 4070 car. I said, this guy looks familiar. He goes, oh my gosh, that's him. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, uh, I think I think I was on your website a couple months ago. He goes, I wanted to get baits, but just something. Okay, well, whatever. You know, I'm talking with him, whatever. And I my number gets called. And I go grab the form. I come back and I'm talking to him some more. And he goes, show me some more pictures. So I show him a couple more fish photos. And he just starts scrolling through my photos like he owns my phone. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> you can't hand the phone over. Well, I, I told him, I said, you're only going to see pictures of fish, bucks, and my family. He gets to, like, my dog. I have a miniature schnauzer. Is that a schnauzer? I'm like, yeah. He pulls out his phone. He starts showing me Holy pictures shit. of his dog. <laughs> Anyways, I said, listen, I got to get running. I got an appointment to make. He goes, okay. He goes, text Andy for me. I'm like, okay. He goes, Tell him that you talked to Musky. I'm like, what? What? He says, my nickname is Musky. I'm like, M- Musky, like, like like the fish. He goes, he'll know, he'll know it. He goes, my nickname is Musky. This guy's never caught a Musky, but his nickname is Musky. So I said, okay. I sent a text to Andy. <laughs> and I said, Andy, I'm standing here talking to a guy named, in parentheses, Musky. And uh, I showed him. I said, oh, I texted him. He goes, okay. He goes, he- he'll know. Trust me. And, uh. I don't know, about a half hour later, my phone rings back. And he says, oh, yeah, Muskie, he was in, he goes, a couple months ago, I told him to go to your site. He wanted some baits. He wasn't lying. The guy, they, they know him. Why is his nickname Muskie? I don't know. But I, this guy kicked there's me out of the office. There's, there's, there's something about it. There's something about this just to be called that. Just because you think about it, you want to catch one, you can become Muskie. I, I probably... I'll bet you 50 times I've had people say something to me like, oh my gosh, you know such and such from wherever. He's really into musky fishing. And I'll be like, yeah, I, I know. He, he, all those fish that he caught, he caught in my boat. I was <laughs> And they're like, he's the musky king. You should see what he catches. And I'm like, the oh, musky king. I have the same pictures on my phone. I netted them. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same. I don't even know if he has a rod. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So you guys are in tune with the musky world. Is this something that's just in like Northwest PA where guys call themselves musky king and muskies and catch like never, or is this like all over? No, it, it's all over. It's all over. You can run into people out there and wherever, Wisconsin and Minnesota. I mean, there are guys that really know what they're doing. There's a lot of guys. Top, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it just, you know, I, I run into people who are like, oh, you guys went to Canada and what you do? Yeah, we went here and we did this. And yeah, you know, we got three that week. How'd you guys do? I think, well, I was fishing with my friend Dale Wiley and his boat got 48 and, our, <laughs> and our, my boat got 52. Uh, yeah. We, 
That was in the same boat, right? No, that was in both of our boats. I don't know what you mean. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it, it's just crazy stuff. It, it's all perception. It's I love it. But, you know, th- this th- this guy, I, I'm going to hammer home this point, literally five minutes before threw me out of the Social Security office because I had a pocket knife. Why don't they Why don't they wave you with a wand then? Why do they go on like the gentleman's rule? Do you have weapons? Yes. Get out. Well, but what What are you going to get there? <laughs> no. What are you going to get there? I needed a form. I needed a sheet of paper that was so photocopied so many times it was barely legible. If you slice one of those pieces of papers, man. But anyway, so this guy now turned into my best friend. Muskie. Muskie. After Muskie. Muskie. I probably at that That's point could could have pulled out. I could have had a concealed weapon and said, "Hey, ho- hold on, let me get to my phone. Let me take this pistol and set it down." Yeah, here. I thought, I thought, I thought the the uh, the tool was going to fall out of your pocket or something while you're <laughs> reaching for your phone. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. He probably was. Oh, that's, that's, awesome. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, Andy got to meet Muskie today, and Vance <laughs> got to meet Mister Muskie. Or the Muskie King. Muskie. No, the Muskie King. The Muskie King. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Todd, who'd you meet today that? That knows muskies. Uh, no one. Steve? <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> 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 I've never run into beaver carcasses or white trucks fall with me. Actually, I do have a little story. So my, my daughter's uh, uh, friend of my... Uh, my daughter's friend came over, and, and her uh, parents came over. We had some pizza, and we're talking, and he started talking to find out that he did. So I did meet someone. He, he ended up, he used to go to Pigeon Lake. In the Coarthus. Uh, in, in the Coarthus, the same place. He went with a friend of mine one time. and, and uh, So I did meet somebody. He didn't call himself Mr. Muskie. But I did run into a fellow Muskie hunter. From a while back. Nice. But nothing like you guys. Reminisce any old stories or? Yeah, I mean, I probably was there the one time he was there because he was fishing with my friend Carl, who I haven't seen in years, but they used to go up there. He, I, I didn't realize that he, I mean, he already knew that I went there and I just said I fished and guide and all this. He had fun going down into my basement looking at the bucks and the stuff like that. <clears throat> but I didn't realize there was any connection there. Yeah, I, I guess to, to paint a picture of, of the, the wall of bucks that Todd has, if you could imagine, now this is going to be some homework for some people, listen to like Gear Man Steve 1 and 2, and he talks about how many rods he has that takes up like a 40, 40 foot long wall of rods. Todd has that many bucks. <laughs> on his wall it, it, it's like that, that wall has I don't know 30 bucks on it it's impressive and you could you could sit there and point at them and there's a story for everyone yeah oh there's, there's definitely a story for everyone yeah but I mean that's the collection I mean I started hunting when I was 12 and but that's not all 40. of them no and then they're yeah. out in the garage too <laughs> he has so many racks that he's tripping over them <laughs> You start charging admission to your basement there. <laughs> it's yeah. just right. There's, 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 there's one nice box. It's a giant. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, there's a couple nice bucks down there. 
<laughs> There's one nice buck. You're a modest man. So humble. The musky king. With three 50-plus inch mounts. Yeah. And this giant first place trophy. Yeah. With a musky on top. Little do you know that's actually the musky king's basement. Did you... <laughs> Todd rents did it Did you out borrow it, Todd? <laughs> Todd rents it out. <laughs> he rents his basement. <laughs> to the king. He, he owns the upstairs, but rents the basement. <laughs> to the king. <laughs> All right, let's, let's touch base on, on Gearman. It's been, it's been a while uh, since we've talked, and uh, in that time, you, you went on a couple fishing trips and whatnot, and I'm sure you've, you've uh, and more specifically, I'm talking about that uh, Lake St. Clair trip. And you probably went on a couple since then. So, what have you been up to? Well, uh, not too much. And my fishing trip sounded a lot like what you described earlier. <laughs> you know, yeah, so last time I told you, I was about to go on my uh, 40th birthday trip where a buddy of mine and I were going to go up to uh, St. Clair for a day, fish for musky with a guide, go across state, and then fly and fish the Pier Marquette for salmon. Nice. So. You know, and I love road trips, so my buddy and I had a fun time going up there. So we arrive the night before, stay in the hotel, get up early the next morning, and meet the guy at the launch. And he said, you know, I'm going to call you guys and cancel today. Bad conditions, it's just not going to be good. And I'm thinking, listen, pal, you know, I just drove five hours. You know, I don't care if it's a boat ride, let's do something. So he's a great guy. You know, he said, all right, well, let's go. And so we go on, and it's about 25-mile-an-hour winds, and we're, we're at four-footers. What kind of vessel are you in? I'm sorry? What are you fishing out of? Oh, Lord. It was uh, like an 18-foot crest liner. Mm. The wind shielded. I mean, this... <laughs> my buddy and I were laughing because this boat, we didn't think we'd make it back. I mean, it was beat. Wow. You know? wow. You, you were laughing at the, in the face of death. Well, pretty much. I mean, this is what we're, <laughs> what we're going to do here. Hey, we're not going to see our well, families again. Stay clear, boys. <laughs> yeah. So... So we go all the way into Ontario. It's like 30 minutes in these four putters. And every time you hit a, bump, hit a bump, you'd see like the side of the fiberglass part from the console, you know, it was like flexing out. And oh. It, yeah, it's just, wow. this, this boat seen better days. So we get out there, and you're trying to brace yourself on these waves. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, I'm going to try fly fishing. Well, because I've never caught a musket on the fly. Well, in four putters. Well, th- what better conditions? Yeah. Well, I mean, God. <laughs> You know, I'm thinking I'm going to try it. I'm going to be persistent with this. Oh, my God. No pain, no gain attitude type of deal. It wasn't like the third cast that I feel this streamer whizzing by my head because of the crosswind. I said, no, I don't need a trip to the hospital back in, you know. So the fly gear went away. And then I pulled out the two-pounder, cast that for like an hour, rotate through like the pounder. Then I put on uh, uh, the mud puppy raptor and, and just nothing. None of us were seeing anything. Doug and Diane. Doug and Diane, yeah. <laughs> Doug and Diane. Doug or Diane didn't do anything out there. Wow. So he says, well, let's change spots. We'll head back over to the American side. It should be protected, a little bit more protected from the wind. Maybe we'll see something. You know, in the midst of all this, he's telling me, you know, I would never schedule a trip to St. Clair in October. And I'm thinking, well, thanks for telling me now. You know, you have no problem taking the deposit. But yeah. he said, the conditions are only so invariable. There's no consistency. If you want to catch fish, come here in the summer. So we did this whole speech that we just 
pretty much are wasting our money because uh, it was a terrible time to schedule. But again, it's fishing. So wow. any time out that I can get, I take. I we hear go back you. To the American side, a lot calmer. And we're just throwing. He says, you know, here, here's a Medusa. Everybody catches fish on Medusa, so we're throwing Medusa. He screw this. I'm, I'm putting on Doug and Diane. This is it. I'm, I'm force-feeding something, uh, these two lures. So I start working the jerk bait, and I see like a flash. And I said, oh, I, I think there's something there. Well, he, he runs and gets his GoPro on, and he likes to throw all his fish, you know. So he comes over, and I, I jerk it again, and this fish comes rocking, rocketing up and saddles next to the lure, like he's trying to mate with it, you know. So now the fish went past the lure. My lure is on his hip, and the guy's like, speed it up, speed it up. I'm thinking, if I jerk again, I'm hooking this thing in the anus. I mean, so he's trying to get footage with his GoPro. No, he's getting is this fish, you know, sitting next to my lure. So I kind of... He's getting porn. He's filming porn. Probably underage. He's filming porn. Yeah. So I, I twitched it. I did. Okay. I got it. And then the fish kind of just like took off. Okay. So then I switched. I tried to fly gear a little bit more through the pounders again. And I said, I'm going back to... Diane. It's the only thing that had any action. So I'm come bringing it in. I'm changing up cadences and everything. And then another fish just comes straight up, almost like a torpedo, nose up from underneath the bait, hits the bait, but never really opened his mouth. And then just kind of swims off. And then I had one more lazy follow, and that was it. Backed up and you know, went back to the to the dock. And that was my, my Lake St. Clair trip. So... So, <clears throat> all the bait you threw, all the fish came on raptors. It was it. Well? Love it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, and like I said, it, I don't know, I, I personally would have wished that we'd have started um, where we ended. It was more conducive to, you know, the, you had the weeds there, and instead we went out to the uh, east trying to follow bait fish in four footers. It was just tough. I mean, geez, I mean, I mean, obviously you guys fished in those conditions before. It's just not easy, you know? And, yeah. And the water was really murky. The visibility was like less than a foot. So we might have had follows, but you never, you know, you weren't going to see them. But when we went back to the east, or the west, I guess you should say, but to the American side, it was relatively clear. There were some weed edges, you know, and a lot more action. So, you know, weird. Again, he's the guy, so I'm not going to tell him. I don't really like St. Clair at all. But in retrospect, and you can always look back on any fishing trip where you should have started. It would have been nice if, you know, we probably spent more time there. And, it, and it's always hard to do a one-dayer because mm-hmm. there was no, like, redemption. We were coming back the next day to start there, so that was it. But, so that, that's, yeah. So my, my, my musky trip was as epic as the uh, steelheading <laughs> trip you had. So <laughs> <laughs> back a couple jumps. Yeah, so, but then after that, we drove that night uh, west to the other side of Michigan. Got up the next morning, met with our guide. Takes us down to the upper Pierre Marquette where he launches. We get in the boat. Now, I knew going into this that the salmon runs were lower. But as we get in the boat and start rowing, he goes, sorry, I guess you guys ran up on the salmon runs. I said, well, kind of. Why? He goes, it's it's the total, this is the historically worst year we've ever had. Like probably one, you know, one thirtieth of the fish are running and having a total collapse out on the lake. 
You know, and he, we're, we're floating down the river going past poles. He said, ah, you know, five years ago, there'd have been 50 fish in there and you don't see any. Like, holy cow, this is what the kind of trick's this going to be. <clears throat> so we stop a few places and you'll see one or two standing up on a sandbar. And, uh, and he starts looking at my rod and my equipment. He goes, oh, this is, none of this is going to work, you know. And, and I, I'm kind of on, as you guys know, I'm on with my stuff and I really tinker with it. And I said, listen, this is, you know, this is how I fish for steelhead. Well, that's never going to work. You're not going to get anything with that. You know, so I said, I'm just going to try it. Like my second drift, this fish just, you see the, the hesitation and the, the indicator. He set the hook. This, this, you know, like 20 pounder comes rocketing out of the water, up and down the water, left and right. Ends up going downstream into a tree, wraps you up, limp line, you know. So I retie and my buddy's doing drifts through. And then like my third drift, to hook another one and, and going back and forth. And by this time, this guy says, man, what do you got on there? He starts looking at my stuff, you know. You should say but, it, it don't won't work, so don't look at it. Yeah, it then, doesn't work. Then punch him in the face. Oh, <laughs> so we continue downstream, and you know, again, he says, "Oh, years past, we wouldn't stop unless there was thirty fish in a pod, and today we were stopping to see one. You know, we probably saw only thirty fish the whole, I don't know, three or four mile drift." So at the end of this, he pulls up, and that's it. End of the trip. We didn't catch any fish. I said, this is, this is ridiculous. I mean, in two days, like, and I'm kind of the same boat with you, Andy. Like, to get an hour away to fish or something, to get two days is, like, remarkable. And yet, I'm going to have two days of skunks. So, in the afternoon, I asked this guy, I had a buddy tell me, hey, try this one area. So, I asked the guy, hey, how good is this area? He goes, oh, no good. There's, there's more fishermen than fish. Don't even waste your time. I said to my buddy, I said, I don't know where we're at. I, it's the only place I know, so we're going. So we end up going to this place that supposedly had more fishermen than fish. And there were a lot of fishermen down there. We get down and we kind of start walking our way up the streams and spawning a few fish here and there. And again, I'm making over grips over fish that I can see, and I see this like fish come kind of upstream, nosing on a sandbar, and it seemed kind of agitated. I throw off to the right, my drip comes over, I see him, you know, veer to his left, I see my indicator go down, set the hook, this thing goes taken off after. A nice fight. I ended up landing fish. It was a 34-inch king. I mean, it's not huge, but, you know, and oh. that, that fish, like, meant the world to me, you know? Yeah, you got the job. <clears throat> I mean, I never caught a king on a fly rod before, and that was kind of what I was going for. So... The musky yeah. king? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the king king, yeah. Yeah, so that, so that was my whole trip. So two days and hotels, expenses, and gas for one 34-inch king salmon, but I guess that's better than... Uh, you know, so that's that's that great fortieth uh, a birthday trip, and then uh, you know I did some fly fishing trips here and there, and uh, then my latest trip, you know, you hit on steelhead fishing, and I don't want to bring steelhead fishing again, but you know I had the permission it was probably the Friday before Christmas, and my wife said, oh, we we got nothing, you know, we'll go fishing, but there was a heavy on it. See, my my father-in-law loves smoked steelhead. Mm-hmm. So, she said, maybe if you go up to Erie, uh, Port Richards has a, uh, like, a trade-in program. You trade in a few, they give you already smoked steelhead, and maybe we can give that as part of the birthday gift, the Christmas gift, you know. So now I'm under a mandate, you know, not only do I got to go up in conditions. Now, you guys had, like, total blowout conditions. When I went, it hasn't rained up there in, like, a month and a half. So the water, I mean, everywhere you went, crystal clear water, 
a foot to two feet below where it normally is. And I tried. I started out in elk, did some areas in elk. And I went over to Walnut, and I, I went to this famous hole in Walnut uh, that I'm sure everybody knows, just uh, right north of the marina. And usually there's hundreds of fish in there. It's a huge staging area. Guys are lining up the whole way. Well, there's only like 20 fish in there. Again, crystal clear. And uh, kind of set up shop and was cycling through fives. And there's these two Russian guys up above me. So finally I switched out to like a, a size 18 pheasant tail. Drifting through, and again, you can see the fish. Well, there's one fish kind of, you can see him move to the right, indicator stops, sets off, he takes off all over the place. Put him in the net, stick him on the stringer while hearing these two Russian guys, you know, start chattering up above looking down because I don't think they've gotten any yet. And, and now that you guys are getting the steelhead fishing, uh, one thing I've, from my experience, is once you get them to take one fly, usually you'll get uh, kind of a flurry of it because that's what they're looking for. And that's kind of what ended up happening. I, I was able to, you know, throw your drift up ahead of long enough, and I caught another one. And by this time, this one took off up into where these two Russian guys were fishing, and they're pulling their lines out, talking to each other, and, and uh, put that on the stringer, and then hooked a few more, and uh, and that was it. I filled my mandate. I got my smoke fish. Everybody was happy. Um, but, man, it was, geez, it was tough. Now, when you bring up the, the Russian guys... On all the forums and stuff like that, like, you know, there's, there's a couple Erie forums that are dedicated to, like, fishing Lake Erie and stuff, and it, based in Pennsylvania. I always hear the Russian guys are the ones that are snagging and poaching the fish. Is that, is that what you found to be true? Um, you know, when I've run into quite a few Russian guys up there, so they're up there. These guys, I mean, they, they weren't actually snagging. I mean, what, what, it, and I've never really seen, like, what you see on the forums, these guys with, like, treble hooks and a big sinker raking through pods of fish, you know what I mean, or going through nets. I've really haven't seen that kind of behavior. But, again, I have seen a lot of Russian gentlemen up there. And, and the funny story with these two guys, I might as well throw this in there, the one guy ended up catching one. It was a little one, and they're fighting around, excited, to put it in a net. It's probably, like, 18 inches. While he's taking it out of the net to put it on the stringer, he drops it in the water. And you see kind of this, like, streak of fish going, and he's scrambling through the water trying to catch it with what I'm sure is a string of expletives in Russian, you know. And by this point, that's when I left. And I'm thinking, these two, like, if they want fish that bad that he's going swimming in a 30-degree day, they're going to jack me for my fish. So, I, I, you know, I got the hell out of there. But, so it was like a young grizzly trying to catch a salmon for the first time. This fish is that, going I mean, shallow. He's chasing it. It's going deep. He's following it. They probably feel obligated because of all those shirtless Putin pics. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that calendar of like him in the outdoors like, holding a gun shirtless or him fishing? He's always shirtless. Pulling those forty pound pike and everything, yeah. Uh, so, but your description of a, a bear in the water was him. He was swatting at it while it's swimming away. <laughs> it was cold, man. I'm telling you. So I don't. I mean, he must have been from Siberia or something. He was tough. <laughs> Siberia. So, but that. So those are my marquee fishing trips, I guess I should say. So it's, it's and I'm going on Monday, uh, but I'm going out to Central PA, and it's supposed to be like eight degrees, so that'll. That'll be interesting. Where, oh, that could be fun, yeah. Yeah. You're, are, are you fishing or business? No, fly fishing. I'll be fly fishing now. A couple of the streams out there. 
Are they going to be up open in, in Potter County? Uh, this is more in uh, Center County. Okay. They have a lot of springs out there that uh, come out of the earth. It starts off 50 degrees all year round, and they usually don't freeze. I'm glad they don't come out of the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be, uh, yeah, my buddies, they, they're big into fly fishing out there, like I said. Uh, so you're like a- after the little natives and stuff like that? Well, they're, 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 you know, they're brown trout that you know, get up to 20, 20 some inches in some of these areas, yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't they're know if you were going up in like the mountains that are you're after like a five-inch native rookie or something. I've done that before, and it, man, <laughs> you know, this guy's all into it, climbing through these, like, uh, meadow forests to get to this little trickle to catch a, a five-inch brook. And, like I said, I've done that before, but that, you know, <laughs> yeah, fascinating to me, you know. It wouldn't be that much of a fight with the uh, big dog. <laughs> the fighting fish. You know, um... There's a, you know, like what, what Steve was talking about, like me and him are kind of in the same boat with, 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 with the young family and stuff. It is, it, it's, it's a battle. Like when, when you can go, that, that's, you know, I, I said it several times when we were stealing fish, said, this is my day, not like I need to catch a fish, but I'm like, this, this is going to turn it. I got to make this fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the fishing wasn't fun. I had a blast because I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. There was a, there was a level of frustration in that I didn't know. I lived here my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to these places. I'm trying to find these places, and fishing in the unknown kind of sucks. Yeah. And, you know, like I can go to all my spots where I fish for muskies, and I can just, you know, whistle a tune as I go down there. But, like, kind of going back to the power line alley, we're seeing beaver carcasses, people whistling. I don't know if I'm allowed here or not allowed here. Walking yeah. down. The trail to go to the mouth of Elk. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there's been thousands of people walk that trail. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't know who owns this. Yeah. There's a level of just, well, I'm going along with this and just fake it till you make it kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I probably will not go steelhead fishing again unless Todd's there. Lord knows me and Vance are going to be like, well, we got an afternoon. What do you want to do? You want to try for steelhead? <laughs> We're, that'll never yeah, be said. I, know, I mean, I've caught a ton of them. I'm, I used to go up there all the time, but like I said, I you just you know, to me, you got to pick the days. I'm not into like like Steve was just saying. I I don't even like going upstream and elk. I do not enjoy fishing when those fish are all like swimming around. You can see them in that little. Uh, you know, I like fishing in the bay for them. I like fishing down at the mouth of elk or out into the lake. Uh, that's what I enjoy. Uh, I don't want to see them. Some people are into that, and I'm not into the fly fishing. And you can really catch them, but what I do, I know it's all about condition. <laughs> all about condition. More so than any other fishing I've ever... I mean, you can just go catch fish. Yeah. If they're still ahead, you have to... If, if the conditions are right, you can get them. And I've brought up many instances of talking to Vance and Andy there. I mean, there were times when... I went up here one time and got like 38 steelhead down by the mouth talking to a friend on the phone and he's like, I'm taking work off tomorrow, I'm coming up. And I'm like, it's supposed to go to five degrees tomorrow, this is going to freeze up. Mm-hmm. And I came home and, you know, he called me at 10 o'clock in the morning and said, you're right, it's just a big iceberg up here. I said, yeah, it's all about condition. That's why I came the day I did. <laughs> uh, it's like for me, uh, you know, paying 
and I, I live two and a half hours away. So yeah, I try to chart the conditions, but I need some pre-planning because it's a day off yeah. work or whatever. Yep. And as Andy said, you know, then when you get coverage for the kids or, you know, it, it schedule's mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. So when I first started steel it was like you said, I'd chart it and I'd say, okay, uh, elk's blown out, here's the temperature range, it's going to be cleared out in two days, you know. And I'd be able to be a little more flexible. But now, I mean, it's been it's been yeah, like, so when you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. upset with auger. That's when I go. I'm going to go. You know, it's what I like to do. But and that's sort of what we did on this trip. We we and I planned it one other time. We didn't do it, and I was like, you know, let's just do it. But unfortunately, yeah. when the conditions are right, you just can't fish it. We, you, Andy, you didn't talk about watching the. Uh, well, I was going to bring that up just now. I was waiting, waiting for the conversation yeah. to turn up. When we got back, like, you know, when, when Todd was looking at his net stuck in the sand, he's like, this water's rising. And, like, there, there was noticeably more flow when we walked, started to walk back. And we got to the, to the launch. And I, earlier in this story, which would have been probably an hour ago in this podcast, I said the water was starting to climb up on top of the ice. Mm-hmm. Well, it, as we got closer to where the truck was parked, it started kind of sounding like this... Not a lot of TVs have this sound anymore, but the old TVs, when you'd like turn it on a channel that wasn't there and it was that white and black noise. (laughs) And we're hearing this, we're like, what the heck? And like all of this crumpled up giant, well, not giant, but relatively big chunks of ice were meeting to where we were watching where the slush ice and icebergs were meeting the, the sheet ice still on top. And we watched it for, I don't know, what do you think, 10 minutes? Yeah. yeah. We watched it for like 10 minutes just ripping this good sheet ice apart. It was cut in trenches. It looked like, it was, it was whitish in color, but it looked like, like mudslides just tearing through a city. It was yeah. this like, oh, here's a weak spot, and it's just jamming hundreds if not thousands of pounds of ice through these little stress cracks, eating it up. And I'm like, it would have been really cool had we had a bunch of rocks and we could have weakened it and just marched along with it the last 300 yards to get it to the mouth of the creek. And because what would have happened. we would have just watched it just puke all this ice out into the lake. Mm-hmm. Just take a giant ice dump in the lake. And then probably shortly thereafter, you'd have I mean, you're talking unobstructed about water. completely like, you know, silent outdoor conditions. Yeah. And then you hear this just ice jam and break and flow start happening. It, 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 it was, it, it sounded crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. And I, it, but and, then, and you're right. I mean, that, that's how quick that, you know, you, you, you look at that and you think a fish can't survive in there. I mean, look, I mean, you saw there was ice going under, there was ice going over. Yeah. You over could, the, over the layer of ice. I mean, there was a big husk of it sliding underneath, over top, just rolling up. It's like, you know, when you look at that, you wonder, how does a fish even live in this stream? I mean, they would be chopped up or dead or, but, you know, I, I, I've seen it like that and going back up there two days later with good conditions and you just slam them. It was, it was nuts. Like you were saying, the, the ice wasn't like, super thick it was probably i'd probably say the thickest we saw might have been two inches yeah yeah one to two inches yeah and and you could kind of see through the ice a little bit you know like dark shadows and stuff and you would see 
this stream of ice going underneath the ice. Like you can see where the main current is pushing all of this slush and ice sheet and whatever underneath. And then like what Todd was saying, it was pushing it up and over it. And some of these things were like, you know, they might have been two, three foot, you know, long. These things are tipping up. The ice is humping up. I'm sure that it's also bulging it down to the, who knows how deep the creek was there. I mean, if the creek was eight foot, the fish would be fine. But if it was two foot, they could start getting smashed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you can walk, you can easily walk right across there. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was extremely powerful. This little creek is just ripping itself apart. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that I would like to have thought that later that day it would have, it would have cleared itself out. Yeah. But had, you know, had it, had it been an eight hour shift, you know, in, in the temperature to be earlier, we would have been standing there and I would have been digging my own little trench, making my own river. And all of a sudden this giant roll of ice starts coming at us. And you're yeah. like, well, this is going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we, we were on, we were on a sand Island and who, who knows what, what might've happened when all that got through. It could have just had this just giant out. Could have washed us out. It would have washed me and Todd. You would have been fine skipping stones. Yeah. I would have seen it coming. <laughs> you would have been running. When Vance was running, we should be going. Yelled, yelled to us. Hey. hey! You guys better think about getting out, out of there. Yeah. <laughs> He'd say, I'll meet you at the truck. Yeah. And he's running. The truck will be warm waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah, because there was obviously with all that ice there, you know, if there's a sheet of ice on top of the river, say that, you know, the river's three foot deep and you got a sheet of ice and the river's flowing underneath it, everything's cool. But when you got all that other ice and chunk and stuff, it's pushing it. I would imagine there's at least another couple inches behind it. It's acting almost like a dam. It's just, it's slowing that current because it's pushing. Once it breaks free, it probably does let this rush a release go mm-hmm. until it can drop you know the, the creek that it's holding back and it could have oh yeah i mean it, it, it forms it forms little dams i mean at times i've seen it down on flipper rock where we're going down there and there's water way up into someone's yard way up into this and that and all it is a couple big chunks of that ice get turned the right way and you know it shuts the flow off to a quarter of what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. uh and then when it breaks loose there's a wall of water coming <laughs> yeah. with ice in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which makes it a lot softer when it hits you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lubricating the flow, right? That's right. Mud on the edge of the ice. Yeah. <laughs> it's your blood that makes it slippery. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Impressive. Yeah. There was one time I was fishing one of my little my little spots here for muskie. And it was one of the, it was like, it was the last day of the year. This is going back probably six, seven years ago. And I, it was just one of those quick warm up days. It had rained in the morning. 
But, you know, you get them warm-up days. There was snow on the ground. The snow will absorb so much of the rain. But when you get that warm temperature, it might have been like a 50-degree day or something like that. It's just a matter of time before stuff really starts to go. But w- when you're on the, some of the bigger sections of the river, it's not affected immediately. You might have 8 hours, 12 hours a day before it really sees any difference. And I was there. I'm like, this 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 little spot that I was at, I'm like, this thing could could blow up real quick. I'm sitting there fishing, and I'm like, well, I'm going to catch a fish today. And I said, this is the only spot that I think the fish are going to be. And I was literally standing in this this hole. I wasn't in it. I was on the bank. Every couple minutes, I'd look up to the bank across from me. I'm like, I swear to God, I can watch this water rise. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd look. I'm like, I mark a spot, and I'm like, it's underwater. And th- this water was rising so fast. It wasn't like Hoover Dam opened up. But it probably every five minutes or so, another inch was under. I ended up catching my fish. It was I, I kept pounding the same cast, and yeah. I finally got it. But I got my fish in the fastest rising water I've ever seen. And I had to take the long way back because I had to cross this one section, and it wasn't happening yeah. now. My knee-high boots just wouldn't, wouldn't cut it. But That industry, the, the steelhead industry and the trout fishing, of course, is very, very popular and... Uh... Big money, it, it, big money in there. It, it just is crazy that for me to think that that's a bigger industry up here than um, the walleye fishing and whatnot. Uh, especially with with you're always watching conditions and stuff. It it, it trumps trumps the other species. It, it's crazy. Yeah, I I don't. You know, I don't know what... It might be just be the fly fisherman. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak with any authority on this. Because, you know, I, I like to go up and I like to catch the walleye. Mm. We tried this year. Mm. We did okay. But other than that, it's been a couple of years since I really hit it hard. But, it, you know... Steve, what am I missing with steelheading? Because right now, it's a fish that I... If they said you could go catch a mess of bluegills or a couple steelhead, I'd say, well... I'll go catch the bluegills right now. Convince me that steelhead are fun. Well, there's, well, it, it, there's a learning curve for the two. You know, when I started uh, going up, I was kind of fresh in the fly fishing. And, and if I hooked one fish in a day, even in prime conditions, it was something, you know. And it, But the fight of the fish is kind of, two things are the draw for me. A, the fight of the fish. I mean, man, when you get some really fresh ones and you're fighting them in this stream and they're running up and down, left and right, you know, it, it, and they're jumping, it's, you know, it, and I don't know the, the comparison between a muskie and a steelhead. You know, they all they fight totally different, and you know you're using totally heavy gear for muskie. So if you were to put a muskie on the same type of lighter gear you're putting a steelhead on, you know, it, it could probably be comparable. But but to me, that the draw of the fight and the the time. You know, to me that that's the winter stop gap that fills me through uh, fishing in the fall for smallmouth and muskie until uh, the spring, and there's really not you know obviously. Um, much to fish for, so the trout and steelhead kind of, kind of, uh, you know, cover that for me. But you know, over time, you get better and better at it, and a little, you get to know the spots better. And you know, like where I go, a lot of times I don't see too many people because I'm hiking a long way. I'm going upstream, and, and I got spots up there, and it, it, the the crowds drive me nuts. I can't deal with the people, so I'll go. You know, sometimes you find solitude up there, and it's just the whole experience. I, I mean, it, to me, I love it. I, yeah. <laughs> So you can give it a lot more tries, you know. You just can't go on like a uh, ice, you know, damning day. You gotta like uh, 
you know, a couple of prime conditions, and when you catch them and start understanding the, how they work, it's, it's definitely uh, something I enjoy. Well, oh, yeah, the, the, the steelhead were always more frustrating to me, even when I was a kid. I mean, we would go musky fishing. We went on musky trips. My grandpa and I would go up there and go on these uh, steelhead trips, and, you know, a lot of them were busts. I mean, we just didn't get them. I mean, I was more frustrated with catching those steelhead than I was at catching muskies, but, you know, to me, it's just all related down to the conditions when you get it right. Yeah, but you can hit those right conditions. You can catch those things. <laughs> you know, when you get them right, like you said, 46 days is not uncommon. I have had some of the days like we had with absolutely nothing, but I had some of the most spectacular days of fishing I've ever had where I couldn't, I mean, every, you know, when you hit it right, sometimes there's nobody there instead of a winner, but you find that pod of fish. When you say it's not like musky fishing where there's a pod there that, I mean, there's hundreds of them. Down by the mouth, or maybe hit them right in the lake, and uh, hit the cast like yeah. throw out. And I can't even reach in my pocket and put my glove on. I like off the fish on. Uh, those yeah. days are very, are very memorable, and they can happen, but uh, can be frustrating. And like Andy, you know, Andy was telling that story about watching that ice. I mean, I would stand there catching them one time down in the bay, cast after cast every. Almost every cast I could get a fish on, and it was getting colder and colder. And uh, I left when it got to the point where I would throw out, and my bobber was, uh, you know, my float and my jig were sitting on top of the ice. I mean, I watched the ice form right at my feet. And I was like, okay, I got to get out of the water. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, you couldn't fish anymore. But uh, it can be spectacular. I mean, it can be so so much fun yeah. catching fish. I'm so envious of you guys because you're relatively local. So, you know, you can make the two-hour trips there. Again, when I go steelhead fishing, i got to invest the whole day because that's my day. And whatever conditions i got, that's what i got to face. You got, yeah. You know, and, but that, that kind of gets, makes it more rewarding, too. The day I went out and it's crystal clear, I'm, I'm already thinking I'm not catching anything. So I think, and I think I end up hooking six and catching three. To me, that's like, you know, that, that's better than some of those 30-fish uh, uh, days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I would much rather have that than, than those total blowouts, you know what I mean? Because, you know, on those days you figure, okay, it's clear, I can change some stuff up, I might be able, you know, you know, sometimes you can pull a couple of fish out, and that can be very satisfying. Uh, but, man, you know, like I said, it, it, I've never, there's no fishing that I could say that is condition-related for it that I can do it, so. Not even, nothing's even close to me. <laughs> right. Well, it's just like it is right now. Like the ice is like an inch and a half thick, so you can't go ice fishing and you can't cast. So right now, you just can't fish here in West Pennsylvania. That's why I'm going to Central Pennsylvania on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to a stream that has some warmer water. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that uh, Steve, I thought you were going to be going to uh, Central Ohio next weekend. Oh, I know why. Here's what I'm doing. Oh. I'm stockpiling all my money for the Muskie Max show. I don't want to spread it too wide here. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to support the Muskie Max, try to get their revenues up, and, and, and not dilute it out in Columbus. So that's nice. Yeah. yeah. For us, the Muskie Max is a lot a lot better show for us. Yeah. Uh, it, Columbus it, show is a great show. Well, we always, my uncle and I always, 
for years would go to the Columbus show because that was the closest show. Now they had that show in Butler. Um, you know, it was kind of it was a smaller show, but the, the Ohio show was kind of we saw the speakers and stuff. When they started this much max, it totally replaced the Columbus show for us because I think it's of the same quality, if not in some cases better. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you get a little bit different people. You know, you get a little bit of variety. There are a lot of yeah, probably half the people repeat, maybe. Yeah, but you get a lot of people there that aren't uh, aren't trekking down to Columbus. Yeah. So you get different guys out there, and you get different guys at the. Yeah, I mean, when I go back for Andy, because I keep texting, "Hey, you gonna have this at the show?" Like I'm compiling my list, so <laughs> I, I, yeah. I keep asking him what he's bringing, so I, I I know what I'm buying, you know. <laughs> so you're budgeting. Yeah, so I. Yeah, so I heard, what's the, when was the Muskie Max show last year? I thought it was earlier in the, the... It was uh, Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, because it's, it's in March now, right? Or the first weekend of March? Yeah, wasn't that... Yeah. In yeah. order for them to, to, to get that room... They, yeah, they, 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 they made a switch from the days in in Butler over to that place down in Cranberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they did that, they didn't have anything available. It just didn't work out with the days in there so they took that weekend but I mean they I, I knew all along and they told all the vendors all along that you know our intention is to have this in the first of March it's sort of the last show like those guys I mean there's guys that are out there doing shows I mean they, it, they're on a trail I mean it, Andy between Andy and Vance and myself and Jared our other yeah, with Muddy Creek, I mean, we're going to do, what, maybe five or six different little shows. You know, some are little, some are big. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those guys are doing shows like every weekend. I mean, they're going to Chicago, then going to, you know, up here in Wisconsin, over to Minnesota. I mean, it's a full-time gig for them all, all winter. Uh, I think the Musky Max is like the last trail, last the, the last stop. You know, the last the, the, the hurrah. <clears throat> the championship. And it, yeah, and it needed to be like in, in, in March to do that. And I don't think there's any other major musky shows after that. Well, that's good. Uh, and that's when they wanted to have it, but they just couldn't get it. So now they've, not, not, now they've got it where they want it. Okay. And, uh, they say the best for last, of course. Yeah, I, 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 you know, the the local show we always do the best. It, it, it just it's we, we we have the people we know. We sit there, we talk with a lot of people. It, it's it, it's a lot of fun. I'm, you know, we were at Ohio last year, and it was a slower show for us, and we're just a couple hours to the west. You know, it, they had a lot of people come through. It was a great show, but for us to sit there and talk with people, it. We don't just know as many people out there. I don't know if there must be the PA Ohio line is where people draw it. Yeah. Well, but, and, you know, we, we, we have all casting dates. It's just, you know, that Ohio crowd is just major. I mean, in general, they're majorly into trolling. And, uh, you know, and the same thing happened when we went out to, to uh, Chicago. You know, it's just, you know, your name's not out the same and, uh, you know, some people know about it, some people don't. We send baits to Chicago all the time. Some of the guys that bought baits at that show, <laughs> they really like them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just hard to get, uh, you know. Recognized. Pittsburgh show is crazy for us. I mean, we'll have four people working and we'll be, 
I won't even be able to talk after it because I'll be talking to so many people. Yeah, there are times that at that Pittsburgh show, I I look over to my left and I'm like, that's the first time I've seen Todd in a couple hours, and he's twelve feet away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like two, two, two or three people deep. <laughs> yeah, and it's just you know, and it's it's fun. I, I really enjoy manning the booth and talking, and you know, it, it's nice. I, I I never used to like the thought of it. But, you know, one of the cool things is, you know, you, anyone that comes up to you, obviously, it, it's human nature. You start making judgments. Like, okay, I think this person's going to act this way. And some of those people, I am, I am not good at that game. So, if you, come, if you come to the booth, just prepare to be judged. Immediately. <laughs> I'm, okay, let, let, me, let me, you know, and it's, it's not like I'm sitting there grading people. I'm just like, okay, this guy, he doesn't look like he's very happy. He's not going to talk to me. And he, he'll be a guy that will we'll talk for a half hour. It, it's one of those. It's just You get a look. You, you kind of read body language. And it's, 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 it's so something. this year, Andy's going to be uh, blindfolded, and we're going to have a cookie spread for everybody just so. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't like the blindfolded part because I, I need to at least show people some stuff. We're, it's, very, we're, it's an accepting booth. Okay, there's going to be a mess. Here's the thing about the shows, and I can relate this back to when, when I first got into the sport. It, the, everything in fishing, when you're first getting into stuff, it's overwhelming. You go to those shows, there are thousands of baits there, and there's thousands different types of baits there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's know, many spinner, different types. Yeah, there's many different types. Spinners are spinners. I'd go in there, if, if you see all that stuff, like, well, here's like this, uh, you know, Cowgirl, oh, but but this one caught fish. They look exactly the same, but you want them both, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 overwhelming, and even now it's still overwhelming. And the the baits that uh, you know that, that we sell, they're 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 different than what is out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if you pick up a magazine, you see uh, you know, six different you see, interpretations you, of the same thing. Sure, and uh, everywhere from a, a bucktail to your your rubbers, and you hand somebody these these baits. It's it's maybe like a difficult sell in in, in other in other areas because when you go go out the, to those, it, it, it involves an explanation. We I actually have a video going so I yeah. can I can show people the difference, mm-hmm. and, and and that's most of the most of the time. You know, there's some people, and like I like what I was saying, you, you, you kind of make a snap judgment on someone real quick. Someone that just doesn't look like they they, they want to give you three seconds, they're just going to look at your stuff, maybe ask a question and turn around and walk. You know, it's it's tough when there's three or four people deep. How how how, do you, how are you supposed to address different people? Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's it's fun. You sort through it, and you know, it's I have a lot of fun doing it. But like Todd says. By the end of the night, your throat hurts. Yeah. And you, and you have a lot of guys walking around the shows that are sort of into it, and they are the musky kings. Yes. <laughs> as we talked about earlier, and, uh, you know, they want to tell you their story about the, the five that they caught in two days or whatever, and uh, which is fine. That's great. But I don't think they know how... The magnitude some of these people take this sport to. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this question because you brought that up. I, I used to know a guy years ago who owned a bait shop. 
to me, you know, I'm thinking that'd be the greatest job on earth. All day you're like managing and selling fish and lures and talking fish. Well, he ended up selling it, and he said, "I said, do you miss that?" He goes, "No." He goes, "I got to be honest, no, because you could only take so many fishing stories. For you know, at first it becomes enjoyable to the point it, it becomes almost annoying. So at a show, where's that fine line to where you got guys? I'm sure telling you every story on earth." Uh, you know, to where it becomes that annoying level, or how do you like move them along to try to sell more bait? What's what's the behind the scenes thought process and all that? Because I always thought, boy, that'd be tough to, to hear story after story, like you said, of the Muskie King uh, beating his chest and his family dragging him away, chanting the king to you guys. You know, <laughs> like, what, what, what do you do for those things? Like, what you know? Yeah, I mean, you just you just let go. I mean, I I would rather. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really like the shows, to be honest. But uh, it's just something you got to do. Uh, Andy enjoys going out and getting away and, you know, I, you know throwing them. I mean, it's okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you run into that. And there's times that, I mean, Andy watched me talk to people. Guys would come back two or three times. I talked to this one couple guys last year for hours. I was going to say, at one time, no less than 45 minutes. Yeah, and, but at, they came back. And they came back at least twice. People. I'll, I'll give you a quick story about these people. I, I talked to them numerous times at the shows, same two guys, I'm not going to bring up any names or anything. I talked to them, talked to them, talked to them. They always talked they were going to come up. They were going to come up. They go here, they go there, they go everywhere. They live right around here. They never pulled the trigger to do a trip with me at Chautauqua. It took me, I mean, I talked to them at Columbus. I talked to them down at the... Uh, Musky Road Rules? Max, at the Road Rules. I mean, they finally booked the trip. Long story short, they booked the trip. They fished one day with me. They went and bought a boat that night in between their first and second day. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. The, the nicest yeah. guys you'll meet. They're the, the greatest guys. They just would not, they were just... I don't know if they're into just the big, you know, the grand scheme of things and thinking, oh, yeah, you know, musky hunter and, you know, go out here and go do this and go down here and go say, but I took them out. Well, the, the, the reason they bought the boat is the first day they fished, we, they, they saw over 40 fish. And, and uh, they had been trying. They went, they went and bought a boat that night. And they've bought a ton of rafters since then, believe Yeah, and, and then that's the thing. Okay, so. You you know you come come on a guided trip, you know with with me or whatever with Todd Young and then you know we're using here's the baits we're going to use mm-hmm. you know well these aren't pounders these aren't medusas these aren't these aren't what everyone's tail. telling you to use these aren't what's what's pounded into your uh, uh, you, you know the advertisement and uh, so that is. There's 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 difficulty in, in it's it's a difficult it's sell. a difficult sell because yep. you know people that are making the in the the hard jerk bait and stuff like that it, it's just it's hard to you know there's two of them on the table you know you, you're in the musky musky hunter magazine or whatever you're watching videos on YouTube and then well you're gonna pick up the pounder because you just saw a dude on a video or read an article. Mm-hmm. And those about, baits and, and, work and, and great. They do. They do work. I was the opposite way mm-hmm. because what, because the first muskie I caught it was 
on a on a jerk bait. So when um, you know, I, I before I, I ran into these baits, I was I was uh, you know I was like, man, I want to get some more baits, but you know I would like to get something that you know that that mocks this jerk bait that I was using and whatnot, and mm -hmm. and then you know. The, uh, there was pressure for me to, you know, get these these ones instead, you know, when I would go and, and look on the internet or if I was going to use one of the bigger websites to order a bait. And, you know, it's like buy this this pounder. And I'm like, man, I just do not like, I just don't prefer to fish that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what anybody says. Everybody has a preference and people are probably on the opposite. Well, I don't want to use a, a jerk bait. Yep. You know, so I, I, I felt that way. You know, luckily I, I ran into to these things and, uh, you know, I could use them, but you know, when you when you put those on, on the table, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult to sell to you know you know the the, mm -hmm. the people because it's it's opposite of what is pounded in advertisement. Yep. No. But you know, it's it, it the, the behind the scenes is that it, it's a crazy thing is that without that advertisement, there wouldn't be no Muskie Hunter magazine. Without Muskie Hunter magazine. You know, would, would, would the internet have been what it was now? I mean, there, there's, Muskie has been, was like one of, it wasn't the first, I think Muskie's Inc. was one of the first to have a publication, wasn't it? Yeah, for, yeah for, I don't know when they started really extending stuff up. Yeah, it started, we talked about that a long time ago on a podcast, and I, and I was wrong, because they're having their 50th year anniversary this year. It started in like 65, mm -hmm. very small at the beginning. Uh, but you know, but, yeah, this is the fiftieth year for them. So that yeah, it might have been. I mean, that, that was way before Musky Hunter. But uh, yeah, and, and as we've talked about a little bit on here, I mean, it's a very when you. I mean, when you get into what I would call big names in, in the musky world or whatever, or the big, it, it, it is a very. It's still a very small community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very small percentage of fishermen are targeting these things. You have those people that are just saying they want to go catch one. They're the ones that get into all the stuff that they're, you know, you read something, you go buy what you read, you go buy what you see in a video. But uh, the people that really take it to the next level, it is a very small community. There's hardly any of these people. The only people that I don't know in the Muslim community are the guys that are much younger than me. Mm-hmm. The other thing, just because they, you know, they're they're much younger than me. They're to me, they're just getting started, really. But uh, now there's guys that are much older than me doing it too. But uh, you brought up another interesting point, and I know uh, one of my fly fishing buddies was talking about you know the scale of industry from one to the other, and he saw a stat that the Rapala original minnow, the revenue that Rapala earned from that lure alone was more than all the fly fishing sales and everything together. Yeah, and I wonder how the musky world kind of uh, falls into play. I mean, I can bass dominate. I mean, that's just all there is to it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What piece of the puzzle or pie economically does musky even make up? I mean, is, that, is there a stat? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen stats that said there's, there's actually more people that are t in the... U.S. that are targeting catfish <clears throat> than they're targeting muskies. Mm. You know, so it, it, it's down there. It's a very small percentage. Yeah. 
and, that, and that's why you know it, it, it is a small group. Yeah, I want to I want to kind of take a little step back real quick, and you know, with with another insider thing that I, I found out is that a lot of these people that you you kind of see as celebrities in, in the musky fishing and big names, most of them work a day job. There really is a very few people that can actually make it just on musky stuff. There's very few. I mean, there are some that own like two or three companies, different companies of musky stuff. And they're like, yeah, this is what I do because they have, so they have their hands in so much. But a lot of those guys, I mean, I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to start to name names other than myself. You know, I, I do the baits and stuff and the, the rod holders, but I work a 40 plus hour a week job. And that's, that's the way it is. I mean, look at, look at like what, what Steve said, the bass community. There's guys living off of tournament wins, earnings. Yeah. Todd, you won some tournaments. Uh, when it was all said and done, how'd yeah, you, you do? You can't win any. Yeah, the musky tournaments aren't big enough, you know. It's just really great. You know, we won seven, $16,000 at the one, and we won team of the year, and we did all that. But, uh, yeah, there, there's... There's not enough tournaments to go do it. There's there's nobody there's nobody makes a living on musky tournament fishing. There's no one. Yeah. So I mean, it it, uh, it was brought up. Then it comes down to a lot of people doing like what I'm doing. You know, there, that there are people that are guiding and then doing stuff on the side, or you know, guiding during the summer months or when they can, and they're running. But there's, I mean. It's more than a handful, but not very much more than a couple handfuls of people that are actually full-time, you know. Maybe they're guide bait makers. There are some guys that are just put up with guiding, you know. Most of the guys are just a play tank player. I know there's some, um, you know, some guys out in, you know, Minnesota doing it. But, uh, you know, it's very few. Usually there's something else in the background. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a small tight knit community. And like when I first got into it, like, you know, I haven't been doing it too much longer than Vans. I just, you know, you see these pictures and these fish and this and that, and you're just like, oh my gosh, these people are just magic. This is, this is it. This, this is a huge underground world that no one knows of. And, and that's one of the fun things that when I, when I first got into it, going to the shows to see this stuff, because there is no outlet for it. You know, if I if I I can drive twelve miles north, I can get just about every single walleye plug, steelhead jig, anything that I want, and then every you know big box store sells all the bass stuff. Mm-hmm. You might have a couple old, you know, creek chubs hanging on you know creek chub pikey minnows or something hanging in some dusty corner. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was a really neat thing, and that but you get this perception that, you know, now I, I know of some things, but when people say, oh yeah, I I I got out of making baits or whatever. Like, oh, you must be a millionaire. You're like, no. I made less than I would have if I would have stayed at my job at Place X. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not an easy... Yeah, most, most of the bait makers, uh, most, most, most of the bait makers have other jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I mean, you, you can think of a handful, maybe a, maybe a little bit more than a handful, but, you know, most of those guys... Uh, are doing that, and they also are doing something else. I mean, it's it, it, uh, 
I mean, however, the you can the, the, you can see it when you go to the shows. I mean, I, I can see it when I read articles or when you look at stuff. I mean, I I know these people. <laughs> yeah. But it's the industry uh, it's, getting bigger. You know, they just spent on endorsement deals. You know, and, and uh, the one guy that went went with, I guess he had like a quote unquote uh, endorsement deal with his boat. And I said, oh, they give you the boat. No, no, I got a discount on. It. I mean, that was the endorsement deal. You know, and yeah. You these bass guys like Kevin Van Dam. I think he made six hundred grand in endorsement deals last year. Yeah, and that's not the tournament wins where they get two hundred grand a tournament or hundred grand to win in a tournament. You know. But just the just the man alone, the just financial difference is incredible. Right. Yeah, it's uh but I look forward to the show season. I, I, I love winter, I love the short days. I enjoy going just to talk to the people, see the people. Yeah, I, to see I, the small I have a, I have to see the, the small community. It's right there. Everything you, you read about and you see on the internet and on the TV, you know, they all come to the shows and it's, it's cool to see. And it's also things. fun when you're a vendor because you'll get your booth set up and you'll go look at everyone else's booth before anyone can touch anything. Yeah. And if there's something there you want, you'll get it before the crowds get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I, I will say too, you know, I've gone to some of these past shows and they'll have these keynote speakers and stuff and they're up there. You really don't have access to them per se like you do at these musky shows, you know. You'll have a Jim Sarek or these, these high-end guys, per se. You go right up to them and talk to them and go to their booth. So the, the approachability of people and that wealth of knowledge is really nice in these shows because of you know the, the smaller community and, and how approachable more everybody is. So that's, you know, that's always a draw, too. I look forward to going uh, every year. It was Columbus, but now obviously Pittsburgh. So, uh, again, it's marked on my calendar, and I'm ready. Yeah. There, 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 there's not anybody in the Musk community that doesn't. That, that, that I haven't been able to approach at a show or go up and talk to. They're not, you know, not rock stars. Uh, they're going to be there because they're trying to pedal whatever they're pedaling. Yeah. <laughs> be a guide business, be a bait. Uh, they're there. Yeah, it's... Um... They're fun. And it, it, it is neat to, to see everybody getting together and and doing that and even Greg, you know, Greg and Tony, they go to so many of those. It's just a, and they put up, they put a ton on. That's uh, unbelievable. Hustling. It's year round. Just a, it, it's just, it, it, they're awesome to see. And it's cool to see the muskie hunter there and stuff. When I first saw the muskie hunter there, I was like, wow, that is, that's them. Like, it's them. That's the, that's the, yeah. Like giant the magazine, the, the the magazine and the TV show. It, that's him right there in that in that booth. That's yeah. Know, look oh. at that. He's eating a pizza. I can't believe he eats the same food I eat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and then I also it's a great excuse for me to eat poorly. Yeah, because oh, I'm out. I can't make a home cooked meal. Vacation, hanging out with the boys. Everybody's there for. One common goal to catch more fish. Yeah, and yeah it's something. Uh, I'm I guess in, I'm in. I'm in training. I don't know if I can do that this year, Andy. Uh oh. New year, new me. New year, <laughs> new year, new me. I got to get back in shape. I, I had a long season last year. I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna be ready to roll this year. <laughs> I, I, Steve, Steve can 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 
vouch for me on this one. Having a young child is is a lot of stress eating. Oh man! <laughs> so I got two excuses, but I'm gonna be running out soon. What about all those those posts on the internet? No excuses. No excuses. Yeah, you haven't had a baby yet. Wow. No, they, they have no kids. No, <laughs> no excuses. I had one, and now she's seven. That's why I'm getting back into it. Uh, That's right. So I, I got six more <laughs> years. Let me ask you this: because now we're on the feeding. Uh, like what I do is we feed all the girls. They're they're young, all under five, and none of them eat the whole meal. So you know, me thinking I'm eating my good meal. Here's my salad. But then there's chicken nuggets and Raymond noodles or whatever else left. You're thinking, I'm not going to throw this away. So I'm consuming like all their meals every night. So yeah, th- so there's, yeah, there's excuses. <laughs> well, yeah, there's yeah. I'll give an example of mine. It's my daughter is a very good eater. She's three and a half, and you know, compared to all my other friends that have children of the same age, they're like, no, they don't. They will only eat this food. My daughter will eat anything. I got her to eat the little tomato off my salad that we we we, we uh, ordered. I picked up food at a restaurant, and uh, she ate the pepper off my salad, and she wouldn't eat her her little mixed vegetables. I bribed her to eat her vegetables by offering her my French fries. I've never seen her eat. You're telling her to eat veg- vegetables, and you're over there eating the good I stuff. Didn't, I didn't you smothered in ranch. Okay, ranch makes it go down eat your, nice. Eat your, eat your veggies. Here's this dry, like, you know, plain tomato. And you're over there eating the goods. And I'm, I'm eating the goods. I remember this stuff when my parents would make me do this stuff. And they're, but, eat, they're eating whatever. They get they got the dipping sauce and all that stuff. They got ranch. She you know, and ate get, her entire like plate. And she ate almost comes, all my fries. It worked. It worked. It worked. It comes back to last week. Andy goes to the, the best restaurant... In Lawrence County. Rachel's. I sent him there all excited. I was like, what'd you get at Rachel's? You know, and he's like, partner in a bun. <laughs> Unbelievable. Plain. Unbelievable. Vance, you and I would have had a field day there. I'll go there. Oh. <laughs> That's too complicated. That food's too complicated. Me, good. But yeah, yeah, Steve is right. Like I, I, I normally do the dishes at home, and when I see all this food sitting here, I'm like, and I know how much we pay for this and organic it's, stuff. It's and money I'm, out the door. You gotta eat it. You know. It's it, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, here we go. I'm taking this for the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can relate. You know that organic like that, milk get, doesn't grow on cows. Yeah, yeah, that stereotype of like you know, give the scraps to the dad. You know, you don't even have to. He's gonna, you're gonna eat that. It's you're your gonna, livelihood there. There's That's a lot of money in groceries. Yeah. I do that too. Dog food. Dog food. Everything. Your dog drops some kibble and you <laughs> must slurp it up. Must be eaten. Which must oh, I eaten. need to bring this up. When I got to Vance's house and he opened up like the door into his house, I got tackled by three pugs. See, and you think that I have this? It's like, wait till you have kids. Um, there, it's it's a it's a pinch of difficulty. With raisin, raisin stuff. These are beasts. Every time, from <laughs> as soon as you beasts. get, as soon as you open the door to, as soon as you get get out the door, these things are busy. You wait till you have kids, and you'll be like, I can take on a dozen pugs. Right. <laughs> I might, I might get there before. I, 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 I might, I might get there before. 
We had a guest on last week. Kickle. Talk about small dogs. Hey, buddy, I got three pups. Yeah, it, it got me all hot and bothered. I was, I, I was almost ready to pull the trigger on buying another one. That would that would be hilarious if you opted to have a dozen pugs instead of a child. No college. No college. <laughs> no tuition. Nothing. Well, I, I gotta, if you don't mind, I got to tell a story. I got a buddy. Okay. Who has dogs? They're good kids. Okay. So it's everybody, you know, like these dogs are kind of his kids, and he tells stories. But I mean, he, he loves his dogs, and that's good, you know. But it's we were going fishing one day, and I, I was up late all night with my daughter. She was sick. I mean, it was a whole thing. So he was telling me how he was tired. He had to get to three o'clock, and his dog was sick and threw up outside. And I said, "Oh, really? Oh, that's tough." I said, "I woke up at two a.m." with my daughter saying, Daddy, I don't feel good, and throws up all over my face. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your dog's trouble. You know, and it's like, and I felt bad saying it. Can I counter? Uh, <laughs> can, you know, can, can I counter? Can I counter? I've had a pug shit on me and right next to my face when I was too lazy to get up. So, when they were sick. <laughs> Why were you too lazy when they're dumping on you? I was tired. <laughs> I was tired of taking care of them, and they were sick, and the one, it, it came right up and shit on me, and it shit all over the pillow. It was a mess. What was it? Were you laying on the floor or on the couch? I was on my bed. They sleep with me. <laughs> it was sick. Why was it on your bed? Because it's tough to say, you, you know, get out and go lay in the, somewhere else, you know? I, when they're dropping deuces everywhere, I can put them outside. You gotta sleep sometime. You gotta try to. All right. I was just—it was an unusual alarm clock. <laughs> it was an uncomfortable story to hear that. Yeah. Well, I had the counter. I had the experience of being shit on by a dog. My kids. Okay. I'm sure Andy, Andy. I know you've been pooped on by your kids. That's happened. Yes. Projectile <laughs> vomiting. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten more Roman showers than I could count. <laughs> Roman showers? Love it. Love it. Oh, Love my it. gosh, yes. All right. You know, well... Gotten you, off the you, topic of... Yeah, it's a, completely. It's not fishing. a musky fishing. Yeah, it's a, not... Yeah, we, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a life of musky fishermen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think... Am I the only one with a son... I got three girls. And Todd has a yeah, daughter. I got, I got a girl. I'm going to yeah. tell you what. I did not get peed on once from my daughter. I've gotten a lot from my son. Yeah. When they show it on dumb sitcoms, when changing a diaper, yeah, that happens. It's real. You need a mask, <laughs> visor, windshield. Be right in your face, yeah. And it's, it's always, it's like, okay, I have three seconds to get this old diaper. You know, you have it, you ready? And you're like trying to do this like switcheroo Indiana Jones. It doesn't matter. The, the trigger, the tripwire's been done. You got to start running. Love it. <laughs> Wait till I have kids. Why? Why would I even want to do that with all these horror stories? I'm telling you that this is this is yeah. This is I get shit on it. Your intervention, just <laughs> just. I love them to death, but they oh, yeah. will destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, your, your fishing time goes close to zero. You're, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't change anything for, the, for those three. So. Love yeah. it. 
Come to the shows. Talk with us. Give us your battle stories of kids and steelhead and dead beaver carcasses. This will be going on up at Ohio, won't it? No. We yes, I, I didn't even hit that plug. Um, if anyone out there that's listening, there our audience will probably not listen to the next one after they heard what we just did for the last twenty minutes. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, we will be doing a broadcast from Ohio. Um, it's going to be done before the show starts. It's for the vendors. It's kind of our platform. There's been an email sent out to the vendors from Greg Thomas. If, if you're a vendor and you listen and you want to be a part of the podcast, please get in touch with me as soon as you can. I am filling up spots right now, time slots. I don't know how many people are going to hop on, but I've already had a fairly strong interest, and I only have so much time. So if you need to get, if you need, if you want to get on. Get a plug out, whatever. Yeah, get a plug out. We're going we're gonna to hopefully give at least you know 10 minutes, but it might end up being less just based on time constraints. But we are going to be there. It's, it's my way, our way, I should say, of... Saying, you know, you make baits, you're a real, you're, you're really popular locally, get on our podcast, we can help spread the word, tell us if the next show you're going to be at, it's going to be a really good way, it's free, it's fun, you don't have to sit through the whole podcast, you can, you can come in for your time slot, do your thing and get back to your booth, it's going to all be before the show starts, so it's not like I'm asking anybody to be pulled away from be the pulled away from the show while it's going on um that's important like i said i'm getting some pretty strong interest already the email's been sent out less than 12 hours ago and i'm, I'm getting some good stuff you can message me through facebook uh just message through fatty z musky products and we'll uh we'll have you on that's pretty much yeah, the requirement it, 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 it. It's not going to be live, but uh, we're going to do this. We're going to post it up as quick as we can, you know, just to get the thirst and interest for the uh, for the show. Yeah, yeah, Todd. I have a uh, when I bought my new phone, I got a free hotspot, whatever that means. Uh, I might have to drive to Columbus and let Andy figure out how to use it. We tried to do that on the way to Nipissing. Remember? Yeah. Personal hotspot. Yeah, he Personal. actually got like a thing that you carry that that has. Oh really? Yeah, and yeah. Um, so I haven't even looked. It's still in the box. I have a password written down on the box. So Andy might have figured. Nice. So you'll be I able. To, yeah, you'll be able to use that Wi-Fi. Post them up fast. And yeah, if I, I'll use it, I'll, I'll upload this and plus I'll try to post it up right away. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be posted up before the doors open. I, I got a feeling no one is going to be out there tailgating, listening to the podcast, getting jams. That's right. But we do, dun, Andy. Dun, I mean, you have to admit, man, we do. There, there's thousands of people listening to this thing, so uh, for my fun with it. For my analytics, it's uh, it's yeah. I I can't deny that. The last twenty minutes, yeah. is, is, we'll cut that number in half. Oh, gosh, I mean, yeah. that, that's yeah. going to polarize. Yeah, we'll cut that number way down. Draw them back. We, there's some special colors here in the, in the front of the boat, in front of the boat for this show too. That you, you did a couple. Yeah, I did. I guess yeah. Couple I'll, show I'll, colors. Couple show colors. I just emailed them before the podcast to Greg. He's gonna put them up on Facebook. It's already up. Seriously? Yep. Wow. 
Okay, so Greg Thomas put up a po- thing. Uh, was it uh, Greg Thomas Facebook? Yeah. Okay, so he got them. I, I'm looking at what we're calling the Ohio Shad. This is just an, all of these are straight eight inch Raptors. It's a shad I painted for a guy that lives in Ohio, hence Ohio Shad. Nice. He gave me a picture. I have a black with an orange tail. It's kind of a nice color combination. I got white with orange belly, which is another guy from Ohio requested this a couple years back. It's it's a nice, cool-looking pattern. I have um, my musky pattern. I painted a bunch of these in the summer, and I didn't really push them hard on Facebook or anything, but we're just we're going to take them to the shows. I probably won't have any after the show of that pattern. I also got rainbow trout. I painted some of them up, and I got Northern Pike. Um, I don't really have a set number that I, I did. It's not like I did 10 of each color. There's some I have maybe four of. There's some I might have one. I painted up some sixes, some tens, some stingers, some eights, some soft tails. No rhyme or reason. Uh, they have been, you know, kickle-picked through a lot of that rainbow trout stuff last week. But uh, when they're gone, they're gone. Anything that's left, I'm going to probably put on musky flea market or something after the musky max. I don't see many of these things sticking around for that. So um, Ohio is where we're going to debut them, and then whatever's left over is going to be at the musky max. And they might actually make a couple of them smaller trips too. We'll see, because I'm going to be giving all the inventory to Todd after Ohio. And it's... uh, I, those, those special patterns, I've talked to Todd about every single day that, uh, that I've painted these. I almost don't want to do them because they're not the normal colors and they're almost a pain to paint. So it's, it's a double edge, you know, it's nice bringing the, uh, the different colors to the shows. People will see them, they'll get something that isn't just standard inventory, but then I, get people that send me a photo. Hey, you put this up on Facebook. I want this pattern. I'm like, oh crap, I got to paint that again. Mm. But it's all good. So come see them. We're going to have that podcast. It's going to be next Friday. We're going to upload it and everything's going to be perfect, I hope. We're going to probably get a nasty snowstorm. It's going to take us a year to get there. Yeah. But we'll talk about it in the podcast. So, Steve, you got any plugs? Uh, I got nothing else but the one I gave earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, Fatty Z Musky products on Facebook, fattyzmusky.com. Become a friend of Todd Young on Facebook. Follow all of the guide trip adventures, fish photos, stories, plugs. For shows and look at his timeline see what he's looking at it's mostly muskies <laughs> and big bucks yeah can't catch any stillhead <laughs> <laughs> don't even think you'll see any of that on mine so yeah I should have taken pictures of those minnows on my hook look what I caught yeah. I caught a steelhead jig Oh, well. Now I know why those people snag them. <laughs> yeah. The fish of 10,000 casts. Yeah, it's easier to catch a muskie than a steelhead. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it's getting harder for me to catch anything other than a muskie. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's after the year, two years you've had that. That's I can't argue with that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, next podcast will be in Ohio, and uh, hopefully, everyone gets a kick out of that one. I, that one's I think going to be a special one for a lot of guys that that just don't have a a, a, a spot where they can stand and tell people. But um, until then. Uh, Hopefully you guys will listen to the next one. <laughs> I'm just hoping that they can stick around. Yeah, I may, may want to, uh, again, uh, thank you guys for having me on because this might be my last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve, it's been real. <laughs> <laughs> I found I out like, some fun. I feel like I dragged the podcast down to a new low. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I would have never thought. It's the Steelhead's fault. You it's know? the Steelhead's fault. It's fighting fish. What, what, what should I title this one? Steelhead and just awful children's stories? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could almost just edit out. I'll just stop it in an hour and a half. There you go. <laughs> Delirious. Abrupt endings due to censorship. Called <laughs> <laughs> oh. real, real life. <laughs> real life. <laughs> <laughs> when the fishing's tough, it, it leads you to do odd things. Yeah. That's what happens when it's eight degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. What do they call it on the internet? Uh, winter, I don't know, you know, they do all these goofy uh, posts on the, these forums. And they said, oh, it's winter, huh? It's winter net. It's a winter podcast, yes. Winter net, yeah, yeah, this is the winter podcast. I think winter. I told those guys, I mean, you know, I just want to go fishing when I can just go fishing when you go and then there's ice and then there's this and there's that and I hate and then we're comparing horror stories of children and dogs oh god dogs pooping on your head and babies (laughs) puking on your head (laughs) see the followers dissipating right now just iTunes will drop us they're going away (laughs) one by one well, definitely want to thank you for having me on your last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's winter. It's winter. Show season will bring it back, and then, you know, I think it's like 64 days until spring, so. Yeah. And we got a lot of guests. I hope they don't listen to the end of this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get some guests on. Better, somebody better than Steelers. You know, because this this steelhead stuff's got it. This got to end. No more trout talk. These people want to hear about the dragons. Yeah, the we slay dragons. WSD. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Steve, hopefully I see it at the, at, the, at the Muskie Max. I'll be there, but I, I won't take too long to talk. Um, <laughs> I won't bore you guys. I'll just be in and out and buy stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, the best kind. The best kind. He, he won't be allowed to talk to us. Okay. <laughs> There'll be a picture of me when I show up. Secure you escort me away from that the booth where you guys are. We're not. We're gonna. We're gonna get banned. We we're could. Gonna, it, these guys out of here. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna bore people to death. <laughs> we're, we're we're drawing all the wrong crowd. <laughs> <laughs> All these guys in trench coats and stuff coming over. Where's the steelhead gear? When you die, someone came up and asked you where that steelhead gear 
everyone yeah. in the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Where did you see that dead beaver carcass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to take a photo for my I records. I want to shoot a coyote. I live in Erie. <laughs> drove two hours to meet you guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it would it would blow my mind if someone like if we were down in Columbus, which essentially is like three and a half hours from Erie, and someone says, "I know that telephone pole you're talking about." Yeah. Or someone comes and asks me to do a steelhead trip. <laughs> and you two do steelhead trip fishing. <laughs> no! I want to see the sewage treatment plan. <laughs> oh, End this. End this. Yeah, Shoot it. it. Wheels fell off a while ago. <laughs> Sometimes you just you just gotta you just can't turn away. You have to watch yeah. the train wreck. <laughs> the train wreck in slow motion happening here. <laughs> you need uh, every angle. I'm dragging my feet just to see who'll speak up next. <laughs> oh my god. What? I've got my quick steelhead trips coming next. <laughs> Don't 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 post this one. Personal don't. protection is a recommended thing. Let's start Make over. Make sure you're packing heat. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my god. You'll see the musky king. <laughs> musky king may make a cameo. He's stalking me. He's stalking you. Musky king. Yeah, he's got, he's get, like getting the last word in. He's being pulled into a store by his family. I can see him like ripping his shoulder like, he's free. Like, let me, let me, let me at him. Let, let me at him. Like, you know, you were describing that. I was thinking of like a MMA weigh-in. You know, they're holding the young guy back, screaming, <laughs> "Eat the king!" You know. I, uh, amazing, amazing. I went into my into my truck, like shut the door, and just screamed. <laughs> Punch the steering wheel. No, I just I gripped onto my steering wheel. It was like Walter White, if, if you could catch a Breaking Bad uh, reference. After he like blows up, he meets Tuco Salamanca for the first time, and he he finally gets paid and and all this stuff, and he acts like a badass, and he gets in his his truck and he just screams with with in yeah. excitement. That's like kind of how it was. It was just like, oh my god, that was amazing. I can't believe that happened. Can't wait to tell people. I got a story. This podcast started off great. Vance has seen. I mean, you've seen it. It's a small world. It's insane. It is filled with insanity, and it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, God. I hope to see Muskie down at the Muskie Max. Muskie and Muskie King. <laughs> Well, you know what you need to do. Now that you kind of know where it generally lives, you have to work on him coming on as a guest. Ooh, the king. Oh, I bet yeah. you. I bet you're going to run into him again in the next three weeks. That's just how these things go, because it's it's like Lewis Black said it. He goes, "You might not see something till someone tells you." Then all of a sudden, you see it all the time. He goes, "Hey, did you ever did you see the bear around town?" They're like, "No, what bear?" And it's like every time you turn the corner, there's the bear. Mm. You're going to see the musky king now that you know what he looks like. This whole time you've been seeing him, but it was the fact that he waited us out 
by the beaver carcass. Yeah. That <laughs> we became formally introduced, and you're going to see him. You're going to see him at work. No. That, you, you, no more. <laughs> I've had you my might fill. Him, you might see him at work. I've had my fill. He is right near where you work, man. <laughs> he might get a hook in his finger. No. <laughs> call off. Call. I'm done. I leave. I quit. Transfer. Move. Going out in style. We have, we have to come unglued every once in a while. Uh, people are the the thing is is that there's going to be people that can relate to everything we've said. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We're, true. we're not the only weirdos. The king is out there. Not you know. I'm thinking about now. I'm, I have my hands in my face. My my face in my hands. Whatever. And I'm thinking about this guy. Was he trying? Was he like threatening me? That's what I'm thinking. Like, was he trying to? <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm going back over this. I was like, is this guy trying to prove a point, or did I threaten him when I first met him? Did he think about it until he met me? Was he thinking about if I ever see those people again, I'm just gonna friggin' tell him? About he probably his got story in his truck and, and was gonna... looking for that 160 inch buck, and he probably went, dang it, and he hit his steering wheel. Says, I should have told him about that two days. Yeah. It's like that Seinfeld episode when he went to go say something, he forgot about it, so he came back from the airport and he remembered what he wanted to say. Yeah. The Musky King's been thinking the whole time, dang it. Jerk it, story. He gave him that opportunity and he couldn't resist. His family had to restrain him. Yeah. The jerk store call. They're running out of you. Well, you're their all time bestseller. He's like, didn't have a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he man. probably, he probably. Followed me and said, There he is. And we, I get out of the car, start holding me back when I tell this story. You think it's all acting? He probably paid those people like I mean, five hype, bucks the, just to do it. The hypotheticals are endless. I hope he listens to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> really got you down now to really prove he's the king. I'm taking this rifle home with me. He has a crossbow. I'm taking it all. He does. Well, he has to have a he has to have a rifle. He's shooting wood uh, coyotes. Oh God! He caught a beaver. I I imagine he probably caught the beaver just on the other side of the road. It was fresh. <laughs> it was freshly skinned. My God! That is illegal. <laughs> no, it, it's beaver season. But Vance, when Vance Vance, I pointed it out, and it, the look on Vance's face was like in the scene in Predator with all those people skinned hanging in the trees. <laughs> it was like that to Vance. It's just like, Jesus. I've seen that before, but I don't know what that other carcass was he had laying there. It almost looked coyote It was probably, it was like. probably the, the previous it's guy probably... that said, I fish for muskies. <laughs> <laughs> last guy to challenge his king status. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's king of the hill. <laughs> you've been, you've been... Oh, gosh, you've been served. you got to go. you got to go toe-to-toe with this guy. I've been served. Yeah, that was the invite. Oh, my God. King of the Hill, musky style. I got served. <laughs> you did? <laughs> Holy shit. 
God. That you know, I, I have a feeling that other carcass, which was almost it was dog like, I it might have been a small coyote. Wouldn't it be fitting, like if he did shoot a coyote there, that he just took its skin right there and left the carcass, yeah, like where it laid. So it's seen. Like. So it's seen. Yeah. But this is in town. He. It, this is in town. It's like a two-minute walk away from the base. Civilization. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think I know what you're talking about. And how are you even able to discharge a gun there? Well, you just you, you got to put a bullet in the chamber and pull the trigger. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, where, where these carcasses are laying, it was the last thing I was expecting to see. Maybe a human... A human. I would have been so shocked see, if there was see, a person. You see no, no trespassing, and you just. I, I, yeah, uh, where, where we were, I would have been less shocked if I would have saw like a human carcass, and we would have had to call the police and say we found something on posted property down by the railroad tracks, by the coal mill, or whatever the yeah. hell it is. Just drive by the working road. And, there, and they'd probably it. come there and they'd handcuff us for trespassing, yeah. and nothing would be done about that body. If anything, one of us yeah. would be there. <laughs> yeah. uh. There's no way there's a coyote lives down there. I don't know. I, I I've seen them in Erie. They had they they yeah. had, but in downtown Erie, I I saw one. Yeah, if anybody knows Erie, I saw one on Twelfth Street. I swear to God, I even took a picture of it, and and it, no one believed me until like several months later that someone said the collared coyote got hit on the road. It, it lived on Presque Isle. It lived on the peninsula, and it would come okay. into town. Wow! But how how they would get on the other side unless they swam? I I don't. That's not an easy commute. But there's, there's like a lot of concrete and buildings and stuff between there. Noise. Like I said, it's not an easy commute, but unless you swam. But like you said, how, how can there be anything enough to support? There's not just going to be a single coyote. It wants to have a, a friend. It's going to be a male and female pair, and they're going to have pups. Unless they're picking yeah, up they, a they, lot they, of. They eat they're going to pick off the cats and the beaver carcasses, I guess. Not <laughs> <laughs> much there. Unless they can fish. Picking up the scraps from, you know, jumping in the dumpsters from all the walleye. No, I guess they could. I mean, I, I know they live in downtown Pittsburgh, too. But I think there's more woods in downtown Pittsburgh than there is in downtown area. Yeah, it's like a concrete flat. Crazy. It's crazy. This this podcast, I'm going to probably call it the train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Regressed. <laughs> Back on track next weekend. Yeah, we'll be surrounded by musky professionals, gurus, people that just want to talk musky. So I, I, I'm going to blame this one. This one's on the shoulders of gear, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Have to. Has to. Has to be. Has to. Oh, man. Because I'm the musky king. <laughs> king. Threatened by the king. The musky king set me off to get one. Yeah, I'm skipping town. I'm skipping. I have a feeling that's not the end for musky king. 
If I'm not on the next podcast, you know why. Yeah. Okay, everybody, you heard that. If he's not on the next podcast, yeah, we can assume Muskie King is Juan. Yeah, he'll be Coyote Bait. <laughs> Shit. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> oh, man. He'll be there, and he'll be like, okay, I need to relieve some steam. I'm just going to go to the Coyote Bait pile and shoot a couple rounds into this carcass I have here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Being hunted. You're being hunted. Yes. Oh, nice. All right. Okay. This train wreck Shoot is it. officially fun. come to. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. I've already done the plug. So, just good please luck l- fishing. Good luck fishing. Listen, See please. The shows. Th- they're not all going to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> See ya.